welcome to Movie Mumble episode 17. I'm your host Scott Murray and I am joined as always by my wonderful travel companions Joel Lewis <laughs> Hello. and Tim Gerard. Hi. Movie Mumble is a monthly exploration and discussion podcast where we all get together, we take turns picking a film, watching it, and then talking about it. It's really just that simple. Uh, the films can be anything, there are no rules, new or old, uh, familiar or strange, or, or never seen before, animated, live action, they can be anything at all. Uh, we just like to, you know, broaden our cinematic horizons, <laughs> but uh, we also like to, to really douse ourselves in the experience that... An experience shared is an experience made better. Uh, really, that we each not get, have to. Not have to, no. <laughs> that we get more out of these films because of each other. Uh, we certainly hope you do too, listeners. <laughs> we hope you're still with us after more than a year and 17 episodes. Uh, the film, I, I picked the film this month, Mystery Train, 1989 by Jim Jarmusch, written and directed. Mm -hmm. The name either means something to you or not, that's okay. Go look him up. Um, Mystery Train is a, a small anthology, a triptych, three short stories about foreigners in Memphis across the course of one night. Uh, I guess the third one does have a foreigner too, huh? Yep. I uh -huh. didn't even think about that. <laughs> But uh, I'm not here to explain it to you, at least not yet. <laughs> We're going on with our usual tradition with this gorgeous Morgan Silver Dollar that Joel has. Oh, I love the weight. One time it's I need to bring an uglier coin so we have like a... <laughs> to re-appreciate it. Listen to this. So that you get less than one full minute of me just loving this coin. This is an MP3. This is vital. <laughs> um, well, uh, as is tradition, the movie picker flips the coin. will be next in line will call it and then uh, the winner of the coin toss determines who describes the film to you. I picked this month so I'll be flipping and Tim you will be calling. Alright. Are you ready sir? Yes. Tails. It is Tails. Congratulate. Ah. <laughs> Didn't even get to say congratulations. Tim, how many have you summarized? I think I've done one or two. I you remember have I done did, two. I did Bond. Two. You have done a grand total of And you did Bond two. because I picked you for yeah. Bond. I won the coin toss yeah. and picked you. Okay. I have a hard time getting to the point of things, I've realized. So that's why it's like, I'm not the good person to do What this. you gotta do, Joel, is you gotta bring a trick coin when it's your turn to pick <laughs> and tell me what to call so that I win and pick Tim. Well, that's the thing. You ogle the coin every time so you would notice. Yeah, but that's what I mean. When you're flipping oh, when I'm and I'm flipping. calling, we'll mm -hmm. team up with the trick oh, coin. I I'll see. go, wait a minute. I that see. sounds different. That's not the right <laughs> coin. Using a You'll get a two-headed coin. I'll call heads and then I'll say, Tim. <laughs> say it before you can finish your sentence. So, Joel, please explain to us Mystery Train. Yes, yeah, so it, it's, it's sort of an anthology film where the three storylines intersect in different places and we we see the same day in Memphis into the morning of the the next day um, from three different perspectives the first is from a uh, tour tourist couple from Japan who are going to because they love American music and love the stuff specifically in Memphis they're gonna move rock on. and roll yeah they're moving on to New Orleans next to mm -hmm. uh, to tour Fats Domino's yeah. kind of hangouts and studios and that stuff. So they're really excited to go see this iconic studio where all these... Sun Studio. Sun Studio. Yes, and then... Uh, Graceland. Graceland. Right. All the landmarks. Memphis was... I guess has become again. Although yeah. as the film portrays it, was. Right. Uh, I mean, we see uh, the Grand Ole Opry in ruins, which mm -hmm. is just... It, it, 
Very sad. Really hurts my soul to see that because they kind of walk past it. And it's like any uh, kind of like old closed theater, and then they pull back, and you see that the the words off the marquee have fallen. You can tell that it was the Grand Old Opry, yeah. and it's it's not that anymore. So they've made their pilgrimage to the mecca of yeah. No, I they, I mean they walked down a street called Chaucer Avenue, and <laughs> I I pulled it straight from Canterbury Tales that this is a a religious experience, and I mean the the effigies of Presley in every, uh, eventually every vignette that we see in the in the um, hotel rooms, we get to see his face. He's he's omnipresent. He yeah. hangs over the whole film. Yeah. So the 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 first couple of travelers are there for music stuff, and they end up going to this hotel and staying the night. And hotel. What's a generous term? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it it, it it's what it's na- it names itself. Well, I mean, they they're introduced. I, I think the 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 thing I'm supposed to assume is that it's a Kind of like you pay by the hour kind of place where uh, you can say flop house, Joel. It's well, okay. <laughs> I mean, is that the term? I, I mean, it's it's, it's, it's term. bordello, um, sure. something like that. Where because Botatella, no. Uh, well, as we see them come around the corner and see kind of the, the hotel, because I was talking about the fact that watching mm-hmm. through it, and I'm not summarizing it so much, just Sorry, just talking I keep about it. You. No, it's okay. Um, I was worried about like the fact that none of these people had planned where they were going to stay tonight. Yeah, and that that's yeah. so foreign and ex- experienced to me. And it was stressing me. I was like, you guys are walking around in the dark, and you don't know, you don't know these people. You you don't know the language very well. Like that that makes me nervous. So they walk around in the in the distance. You kind of see this glorious hotel sign light up. It's like, oh, there's the beacon of hope. And then you have this disheveled, shinily dressed hooker i assume come out of the doorway and it's like oh it, it's that kind of place and they don't they don't pick up on the social and cues she says to it. him looks exciting right no so they go in and uh screaming jay what's his name hawkins hawkins, screaming jay hawkins. is this uh the the night manager and he is he's dressed rather pimply as i <laughs> stated <laughs> red this suit. red suit it it's was it gorgeous. velvet <laughs> i don't know what it was but it was it was shiny and dude had rings and this really comical bellboy, so that was this interesting interplay Ding. between them. It's really comedic. I wasn't expecting yeah. it to be as funny as it was. Yeah, it's the film is, and this is apparently characteristic of Jim Jarmusch's work, although this is thus far the only one I've seen, because every time I think I should go watch another, you just watch when this I really one. love this, yeah, yeah, I just love watch this again, because it's right in front of me. But it's this sort of slow, you know, de- uh, deliberate progression, punctuated by moments of either you know hilarity right. or or surprise or emotion or, yeah. right and then in the second vignette we kind of get um she's italian, italian right yeah. yeah so uh italian had some arrangements for the funeral that went wrong trying to transport a body back to rome her husband's body uh, is it's implied that that's who it is because yeah, she takes at off at the very beginning she, uh, the airline employee is asking her and oh is, that what is it your is? husband gotcha, says, gotcha, yes. gotcha, gotcha. but it's literally the first first auditory thing that happens in that vignette and it's easy to miss gotcha you've you've watched this quite Maybe. frequently <laughs> no so so she she's stuck in memphis because they they weren't able to transport the the coffin back to rome the way she has to sign all these things she yells on the telephone for something remember pay phones that yeah. was a thing you were talking about the 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 memory of having to carry around change yeah for the, jukebox the pay phone and, and the jukebox yeah. so she's kind of walking around uh, Memphis kind of aimlessly she gets cajoled into buying all these magazines from so this. many magazines oh man and it it, it kind of really it really humanizes the experience of being a tourist and not knowing the language really well not feeling comfortable 
and not being able well the social cues if you're not gonna someplace. give me just the thing I asked for I'll go get it from someplace else like mm-hmm. that that just wanting to get it over with rather than being assertive and so that was interesting and then she's in the diner and Tom Noonan who is just ah. this is a young Tom Noonan in this role of this really creepy rapey uh, uh, diner attendant not attendant just guy in a diner customer yeah who tells this story about uh, picking up Elvis's ghost and wanting to give her a comb and then saying that there was a finder's fee for it it's just he's hairy and he's greasy and he's gross and he's got he's balding and he's well, got yeah, this when you first see him there's not much hair on his head and one of you said hey, you got a little hair left I said yeah. that and yeah. then he turns to camera and his shirt is like open to his navel and there's he's like just one button like covered the in last hair. one and it's just oh it's right. so oh a little hair left <laughs> oh it's so gross and then she leaves like he and his buddy are like looming in the alley yeah, and like it's really really yeah, scary yeah. so she ends up going to the same hotel again and running into this girl from New Jersey who moved to Memphis and was with this British guy and they'd broken up and she wasn't able to get a room because she didn't have enough for a double room which is the the rate that they were charging so they end up staying together and they're talking about love and their relationship and Jersey girls talking about how she's got a really quiet man and we're seeing through her that it's not that he's quiet it's that he can't get a word in ends wise because she's this kind of <laughs> chatterbox and it's a really interesting dynamic and, and then, later on we learn that she talks when she's nervous <laughs> right so she's nervous constantly <laughs> and then um kind of the, the there's a couple pinpoint things that keep occurring in mm-hmm. in these nights we're hearing the radio broadcast where um elvis is singing blue moon that kind of locks in where we are time-wise in each. And then we see the, the uh, train goes by um, during the night at a specific time before that that we notice. And then there's also, as in the morning when they're getting ready to leave, there's a gunshot. And in the first one, <laughs> there's almost like a, a excited grin on the girl's face. Mm-hmm. Mitsuko? Mits- I can't remember her name. Oh my gosh, I can't either. I remember June because she yeah, says June. his name like yeah, eighteen yeah. times. He, he only says her name yeah, like once. three. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she's almost excited. He's like, was that a gunshot? <laughs> uh, this is America. And then Tim said the iconic line. I guess Donald Glover <laughs> seen this. Yeah. Um, and then the third uh, vignette is we we see the British boyfriend. No, the second vignette with the Italian lady and the other girl mm-hmm. when the gunshot happens. Oh, she's <laughs> the Italian lady says sounds like a thirty-eight, which just made my man Scott's uh, dick uh, jump a little bit. <laughs> He's like, love this woman because she can identify gunfire from uh, the sound. It's of just it. that she, like with the the Japanese couple, we learn more and more about them every second they're on the screen, about the relationship and where they're from, right. what they think. But with this Italian woman, at just at the very end, between the gunshot reaction and her interaction with Dee Dee right. with the money. We realize we have learned nothing about her. Right. She's very It's mysterious. a sudden turnaround. She's the mystery of the Which train. is what's satisfying about that moment to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I heard it. <laughs> um, it's like this, that she... It just completely repaints everything that she did the night before mm-hmm. in a completely different light. And that's why I love that moment. This surprising enigma of an Italian woman. <laughs> Recognizes gunfire from the room next to... <laughs> And so, then the, sorry, please. No, the that's all right. Vignette. The third vignette is uh, we get to see Steve Buscemi, who is the young, Steve really, young, really, really young. Um, 
who's a barber, who's brother-in-law in quotation marks to the British guy who is Dee's. He's a barber and an air fisherman. And an air fisherman. <laughs> that was a great moment, fish? too. No. no. <laughs> he, for some air reason, he's man? got a fishing line that's been stuck. He's a barber. Like, he's outside. His, there's a barber pole. And he's got this fishing line caught on something above his head, and we don't know how it got there or why it got <laughs> we there. We never find out. And that's the thing; like these tours are going by, and she she just good naturedly like, "Are you fishing?" And he's like, "No, just just." She's like, "Don't don't bring attention to the fact that I fucked this up royally." Like I, I don't know. <laughs> so it, it, we follow um, Charlie. Is it Charlie? No, what's his Johnny. name? Johnny. Johnny. Johnny Elvis, in quotes, Johnny. is Johnny. <laughs> yeah, nickname Elvis. The same Johnny Dee Dee was talking about. Right, yeah. So her uh, boyfriend, she says, um, uh, he's lost his job. His girlfriend left him. All same day. He's yeah. drinking himself to death. And then he's got a gun in, in this bar. That's and it's just moment. waving uh, around. Scott, you definitely have a type. <laughs> Between this and uh, 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 Mahane. Like yeah, some asshole no, with a gun. The, fucking uh, things no, the, 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 the important. There's a lot of through lines. The, the, like in the last, the last couple of shots in the, um, in the morning in room 22, you kind of get that that room. Yeah, <laughs> that, that room. That room. <laughs> the way it's framed, it has yeah. that, that the tension. Well, I mean, even, the whole sequence of that, you get the the dynamic of those three in shot. And how they switch and who's in the middle is very important. The whole film has these very straight-on, just yeah, it's very simple. Almost the entire film, except that last bit in the room after the gun goes off. Right, you get a shot from the top corner, and everything's cockeyed. Right, so it's really interesting that dynamic and the importance of the gun and the power of the gun and the respect that the gun is treated with and the disrespect it's treated with in in those scenes. It's very interesting. Uh, Um, That's the moment Johnny's there drinking. At the very beginning of his yeah. vignette, with some some guy, I don't know if we ever learned his name. Best actor in the thing, <laughs> right? And the guy's you know commiserating with Johnny, and Johnny says something, and the pool guy wanders over and has, has said, "No, no, it's, it's cool, it's cool. Johnny's cool. Literally, pulls- Johnny's cool." And then he pulls out the gun. <laughs> God, what the fuck, man? He is it loaded? Like, yeah, it's fucking loaded. Like, come no. on. Like, and dude's waving at like, no trigger safety on this guy. It's, that it's, was- just, it's very clear. That's the moment he went from, yeah, we're drinking, and I feel bad for you too. Oh, no, 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 no. Right. <laughs> We're done. So they call Charlie, who's his brother-in-law, uh, Steve Buscemi's and character. Will and, and Will Robinson. Um, what's that actor's name? Do we, he's in something uh, else yeah, you guys mentioned. Yeah, he was in Ghost. He's in uh, Willie uh, Lopez. Oh, he's in Ghost. Rick Aviles? Aviles? I'm not sure. I think so. They're called in to kind of get collect Johnny and get him out of there, and they end up going to a liquor store. Um, All-night liquor store? Well, no, there's a, great, there's a great moment where Buscemi doesn't want to go in the bar. He's like... He's go, he's beating around the bush. He's like, I don't want to go in there with all those black people. It's like, they let white people in here. Your boy Johnny's in there. Just go in. And then he stands so awkwardly next to this pool table. And I said, the 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 script must have said Charlie stands whitely because <laughs> he's just he, he's getting knocked into by elbows and the pool cues. And then he smacks he's somebody else. Kind of casual, leaning on the pool table. He's like. wearing his fucking barber's smock the whole time. Oh, it's man. like Johnny makes fun of him. This like it's a good shirt. Style and really? shit. <laughs> so they end up going to a liquor store because Johnny clearly wants to drink more. And uh, uh, yeah, so uh, Will Robinson, who's who's black of our trio here, right? He, he is, has is to work on his car. His truck. Right. Two yeah, guys go in and Steve they picked up. Yep, yeah, they pick out some liquor, and then uh, Will comes in and is looking at a bottle. And the the guy behind the counter is racist and calls him the N word. And at that moment, I said, well, okay, shoot this fucking guy. Like, I, I'm, I'm over on it. 
and at that moment, Johnny pulls out his gun. He pulls out his gun. He's like, okay, okay, I'm, I'm here. And, and so and he, he says, points it. What he says is, you know, this bottle of liquor is going to be free, right? Right, yeah. Because yeah. he disrespected him. And yeah, it's like, my friend. Like, so he... He's like, no, I'm going to be the guy to make you use that gun. Ooh, what a line that was. That's a good line. And, I mean, considering his last line was a racial <laughs> slur and shitty. Yeah. But, no, it was a good line. It's yeah, a, it's a, the, the writing, you know. Right. Like, what a, everything is frozen in that moment. Yeah, and it's a long moment, too. And Ooh, you're like, yeah. Does he, is he going to back down? Was he? And he just fucking shoots him. Bang. Like, I, I was saying that, wanting that cathartically, but I was like, oh, shit, what are they going to do now? And I love that, like, he fires. There's a flash at the gun, and a couple bottles break. And you know the the liquor store sort of ugh, jolts, and he stands perfectly upright. And then also nothing happens. There's this moment of perfect stillness before yep. mm-hmm. and after. And then, boom! He just falls behind the counter, almost comically. And then like Will's a crack like, fall. "We we gotta get the fuck out of here. Like, right, we're leaving. It's not good." Oh my god! So they get in the truck and they're driving around, passing the bottle, and Buscemi's kind of passing it between, between the, two the two of them, of them and then he gives up. in the middle now. He gives up, and he's, they're all drinking at the same time, and they end up rolling into the hotel that we've we've uh, grown to know and love, and uh, <laughs> the uh, attendants who are comic and hilarious, and uh, I think it's it's Will's brother-in-law is the guy who runs the place. Uh, Will knows, yeah, yeah, he, he knows, knows them, yeah, and enough to have gotten in trouble before. Yeah, oh, don't tell my like, sister about this. Right, yeah. We'll both be in trouble. So they they say, well, hey, we need a place to stay to, to yeah. kind of cool down for a while, and they he puts him in this shitty, shitty room. room. Twenty-two. That room. That room. Yeah, yeah just like this way. skinned mattresses. You don't want like black light technology was invented for rooms like this. Uh, <laughs> just disgusting. Black so, light technology is not sufficient for rooms right. like this. You put it on, you go blind. It's just a light. Yeah. Everything is the same color. So it's they and they continue to pass the liquor around, which was interesting. They toss it between they each toss other, it, and they toss it to Buscemi, who dropped one in the fucking lobby. He was like, "You are cursed." As cursed. surely as the moon rolls around the world. So they end up going to sleep at some point, and then. Um, Waking up and they're they're talking about the fact that yeah. Dee Dee's left and where she might have yeah. gone and I, Steve uh, Steve Buscemi who I, I what's character Charlie Charlie is his yeah. character's name finds out that John you know we we were never actually married right he's like you mean you put me through all this shit and you're not even my brother what is what this? a great line so then Johnny's like really depressed and he he puts the gun against his head and he's gonna fire it but yeah. Charlie, Charlie likes him enough him that and, like doesn't want him to hurt himself yeah. and ends up getting shot in the leg and that's the one with the gun and, yeah. and I think me and Tim had the same like asshole type and he's like are they gonna shoot the black guy in here that's messed up like mm-hmm. the way they're <laughs> moving around is just like right fighting with the gun the guy who's go just off. been trying to help them the whole night like yeah. it, but Thankfully, that was not the case. We didn't no. have a Lahain situation. That's what I was afraid of. Uh, right? No, it was like no. that, that tension with the, the guy. He got shot in the leg. No, this is not, not that great. kind of movie. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. and, again, gun goes off. Perfect stillness. And then Steve Buscemi says, You fucking shot me. You're not even my brother in law. <laughs> and you fucking shot me. <laughs> Those are the two things tonight that are yeah. like, worth worrying about. So, uh, and, I mean, and it kind of ends with kind of. Tying up all, loose ends and, and all of the characters we've seen throughout the night leaving Memphis, yeah. in one way or another, yeah, via plane, train, and automobile. <laughs> mm-hmm. so. It's a different movie with a whole lot of fucks in it. <laughs> so there, so that's yeah. These three foreigners, and they all end up at the same hotel at the same night, and yeah. we get these beautiful plot touchstones, like you said, about the train crossing the bridge, blue moon on the radio, mm-hmm. the gunshot in the morning, and it. 
I love that this film is one of those ones that as you watch it, you can start putting the pieces together. Mm-hmm. Because you see Johnny and you realize he's the Johnny that Dee Dee was right. talking about. Yeah, and then you British, realize yeah. who Steve Buscemi was. Also mm-hmm. the brother-in-law. Also the barber with the fishing pole. Right. And then like you see the gun. And then as soon as they show up at the hotel, you go, well, okay, I know a gunshot is going to happen. Right. Where's the bullet going? And then, right. yeah, it, it all, you know, slots into place. But unlike certain films, like a mystery film, it's easy for them to be too obscure, where you can't put the pieces together, right. or to be way too obvious, and there's no suspense. But here, that's not the point. The point isn't the suspense. Right. So it can be easy enough to piece together, but the suspense is preserved anyway, because you want to know what's going to happen to everybody. Even though you know what happens, right. you don't know what happens. Yeah. And meanwhile, you get these just what feel like very natural, very parts of real life moments of, you know, joy and comedy and emotion and uncertainty and etc. Yeah. And that can range from the absurd, fly swatter. <laughs> oh my god! That oh, made me laugh so hard. Oh. That killed me. Like, because yeah. they put it on. Like that <laughs> is on the desk the entire for film. that. Reason only. <laughs> Jarmouche said, "Why do? Why is this this giant fly? Okay, we got at one point somebody's got to hit it with it. Those guys, like, I like I said, I, I want a Faulty Towers style show centered on those two characters, the bellhop and the night manager. Like yeah. that was so funny, and it, oh, it just yeah. it killed me." This plum from Japan. I don't think you should eat that. You gonna eat that? No. Calm. You ate my plum. You, you got any more of those Japanese plums or any other exotic fruits? Because we're running low. <laughs> just they're just great. They anchor the whole film. They really do. You know? and Them in the hotel are the places we keep coming back to. Mm-hmm. It's great. So how did this film enter your yes. milieu? Uh, my film elements class that I took. Okay. Which I. I've mentioned this class before, but mm-hmm. I don't think we've watched a film from it. Um, I could be misremembering. Was Lahane from it? I thought and, you watched uh, that a lot. I watched that in a different film class. Oh, okay. Um, so this, I, watched, I took a film class in, in my study abroad, which was the cinema of Europe. Oh, okay. And we watched, in class, two films from each from France, Germany, the United Kingdom, and Spain. Oh, okay. But then we watched others on our own time. Gotcha. And that was about the different countries and the cultural the ways the cultures were reflected in the films and vice versa. Um, I took a a class here in Denver that was titled Intro to Film Criticism. In practice, and our professor told us this date, moment one, Intro to Film Elements. Every week we study a different part of film. Form, editing, lighting, cinematography, sound design, directing, etc., etc., etc. And then every week we watched a movie and studied that element in that film. Uh, This one was form. It was the first one we watched, week one. And I, I went into it completely blind. I did not know who Jim Garmouche was. Mm-hmm. And I went out and bought it at the end of the week. Nice. Like, immediately. I just, I loved it. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Everything about this film resonated with me. Except for, I don't even remember the film analysis in the class. I was talking about form or about anthologies. No, it doesn't matter. It was all personal. Everything about this film mm-hmm. just streamed in and touched me personally. Either in some of the more serious and emotional ways, especially in the first vignette. Or just in the, the the nature of the film itself, the the portrayal of decayed industrial America and the the cultural shining beacon on a pillar that was Elvis and rock and roll that broadcast around the world that was still sort of propping the place up mm. and giving it a glow despite the the grime of the present and just the whole and then of course the 
the international appeal and yeah, everything about it just was great. It spoke to me very well. Um, other films that this class brought me were Night of the Hunter, right. which I've talked about a lot, which we're definitely going to watch. Citizen yeah. Kane, which we are also definitely going to watch. What Citizen was Citizen Kane's element? Similar. It was um. It wasn't form narrative, maybe. Okay. And they're, you know, the differences are subtle, but right. the point was because Citizen Kane was one of the first nonlinear narratives. Gotcha. Um. But but yeah, so while this class brought me a lot of great movies that I really liked, this was the beginning. It was literally day two of class. We would meet for an hour on Tuesday to talk about the, the thing. So form, what is form, right? We'd meet on Wednesday to watch the film, and then we'd meet on Thursday to discuss gotcha. for another hour. And, that was, and so this was literally day two, mystery train. I, I loved it. <laughs> this was really pleasant. Yeah. Like, it... it, it... It was nice to watch something not as heavy. That You know what I'm saying? It, mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's not, easy to watch. Right. No, it, it, it was, yeah, e- like easy mm-hmm. listening, but easy watching. It, it, it was it was just kind of a delight. It wasn't too heavy. Yeah. It was, and it, the idea of the anthology is kind of refreshing that if you don't like a certain vignette, you just wait a few minutes and yeah. then you're on to the next one. I didn't the particularly one. enjoy the second one as much until like mm-hmm. the end. But and the way it tied into everything else made a lot of sense. But sure. it was always like, okay, this is I I can yeah. endure through can this it, to the right. next one. And but like it ended up resolving in a really nice way. And then yeah. it just it it's it's a different kind of watch, which was really nice. And I think we've gotten into some. I mean, we did a whole bunch of holidays films, but Bronson was like heavy, heavy <laughs> shit, like violence and hyper like realism and all that kind of stuff. This this was just really. Kind of a playful narrative style, and the way it was shot was really kind of simplistic. And yeah, I mean, you you kind of get these touch tones that let you know, okay, this is how the story's progressing. This is where you are. This is how close you are to the next transition. Yeah, it it, it yeah, just you get those little moments of this is how far along. You yeah, are, right? and it, it was just it was refre- refreshing is the word I keep coming back to. I really yeah. like it was is enjoying in that way. It's like drinking water. Like it was yeah. like. It's good for me. I'm enjoying it. It's a nice change from soda or liquor. Yeah. I, you know? I remember at one point, Joel, you did a situational movie recommendation, or someone did, and it was, what's the film you you can't decide what to put on? You mm-hmm. just toss it on. If I didn't answer Mystery Train, I was wrong. Gotcha. Yeah, this is on a lot. Mm-hmm. Any Whatever part of it, or all parts, or just, you know, because I can just look up, know where I am, and get a nice little, every scene is sort of packaged in its own complete way. It's, it also feels like one that you could watch almost on repeat. The idea yeah. that you, you watch it through once and then you, watching it again, you kind of can p- put and it together. I did mention there's at least one very specific thing you want right, to right, only right, right. pick up on, really, your second time around. Right. Yeah. So. No, I, I really <laughs> liked this. I'm this glad. Is... I had a feeling you would. <laughs> yeah. Tim, I was less certain. I thought you would either like it or fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was I completely wrong? or or? No, yeah, I liked I mean, there, there were... Uh, Kind of like Joel said with the second one. Yeah, I feel like the first one so was you both so good. Liked it and felt drowsy. Yeah, so I, <laughs> yes. was, I yes. was right twice. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So what you're saying is I'm more right than ever. Right. It's it's, it's like Schrodinger's cat. You know, we're, we're <laughs> we, we liked both, it and sleeping. We're at the both same entertained time. and asleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like the first one was so so good and captivating, and then the second one was kind of like I don't know what it was. Um, you know, it was just kind of like oh, okay, and I don't I don't know if it was just the fact of starting a new story over again hmm. where it's like okay we've kind of followed this arc to its near conclusion you know 
to to a climax of sorts with mm-hmm. the gunshot, and then kind of dropping away and kind of starting from from scratch with a different story. Um, I don't know if it was just that, you know. I, I think I was just less invested because I was already so invested in the first couple, and I was like, okay, well, what what happens with them, you know? And I I kind of got okay, this is the point of this, but. It was just kind of like, okay, now I've got to reinvest in this new character. Yeah, it has the so, least momentum. It's, it's yeah. I felt like slow. she was less accessible, too. Because yes. the first thing you see in relation to her is a coffin. So it, it takes the mood yeah. way down. We've seen this, mm-hmm. this, this couple with a dynamic, and you get to know that dynamic really quickly, mm-hmm. and you understand it, and it's, it's fun. You understand yeah. their interplay. But for some reason, the... the um, Italian woman sem- felt more foreign. Mm-hmm. She Even has though she had more... a better grasp of English. Yeah, yeah. she, she you know? felt more Distanced. isolated, not as and accessible. It, which fits with with her reason for being there, because the couple has made a pilgrimage. Right, and they're very they're clearly there on purpose. Un- foreign. They don't have a lot of English, but they're very open. They're there on purpose. They want to to mesh with this place to to learn to to touch it to experience it. Um, Johnny is, except for his accent. Basically indistinguishable from yeah, she's, the other he's, piece, Johnny. Yeah, yeah. he's because he's been living there. But then this Italian woman is only there because she couldn't get home. She never right. wanted to be in Memphis, and it, she's staying distanced from it. And there's a, this idea that she continues to be manipulated and taken advantage of up until, you know, then that that's yeah. that's something that's also like I felt anxiety for her mm-hmm. you know and when that, the two new that, and his buddy are walking in the street that's a scary sequence the oh, idea yeah. of her framed in the middle with them looming over each shoulder yeah that, that how was, strategic they are about where they're yeah. standing to kind of like corral her yeah, yeah like when you get in the hotel you're instantly relieved even though you know there's gonna be a gunshot right and in theory, it could happen to her. I mean, right. who knows? But at least she's you're instantly out relieved of that. because whatever yeah. is going on with the gunshot, it's not those two guys. See, yeah. and there's that thing where she goes to hail a cab, yeah. and it go it almost accelerates away. And in that shot, neither of those guys is in frame. And then she turns her head to look down the alley, and we don't see them anymore. We don't know where they've gone. Mm-hmm. And then we see the hotels there, and she's going to go she to the hotel. To like it, it, it's interesting that this place ends up being like a beacon mm-hmm. of hope in yeah. a certain. Point. Yeah. Sorry, Tim. I, we derailed what no, you were okay. talking about. Um, yeah, yeah, I, and, and you but know, the yeah, second I mean, one was the last. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. I think a lot to do with it. Yeah, that she, you know, maybe it was. Maybe that's why it was intentionally done that way. Like, here's a really cute couple. Here's a woman who used to be part of a couple, and now right. it's kind of it's half a couple. You know, um, one of the things, one of the touches I really like that I noticed is when her and the other woman are staying in the hotel. Um, how that woman was like on one side of the bed. Like the thing you do when you've slept every night of your oh, life shit. on half of a bed with someone else on the other half, right. even though she has the bed to herself, she's crammed all the way to the edge. Oh man! Um, and that's actually something I noticed too. One of the first times, like my wife had like gone away for I forget what it was, but I was like spending the night alone at, at our apartment. It wasn't like oh I have the whole bed. It was like I slept on my side of the bed. I do that <laughs> same thing, and I feel depressed at the board. It's like oh I had, I had all of this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then at one point, like, you know, when the other woman sits next to her on the bed, you know, she's not perfectly in the middle, but you can tell she doesn't have that same programming where she's just sitting for the most part in the middle of the bed, you know, because it's like, oh, this is her boyfriend. This is, you know, like who she, you know, so it was really interesting to see that, you know, the mm-hmm. woman who 
who lost her husband, yet she's still in her mind like part of a couple, and and that empty side of the bed kind of showing that. that and she's loss. still wearing her ring. Yeah. Because that's the very last thing that happens before she walks out the door. Mm-hmm. She takes off the ring. Yeah. Kisses it, puts it in her in her wallet. Yeah. It's interesting, watching it the first time. I mean, I haven't seen it the second time, but the the, the yeah. first moment that I realize it's the same night is when they hear the Japanese couple fucking in the next room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Up until that point, I wasn't sure if it was the same night or a different oh. night. I don't think any of the touchstone things had They happened. don't, because the only other touchstone is the train that goes by on the so bridge. So d- the clerks don't have any of the... Because they, they do the same the, uh, the same the plum all thing. Night. But we only see the plum once. And then I think the they talk about the The thing we see all plum. three times is the sunglasses. Right. But we see that... That's after. That's after the sex, yes. Right. And but the thing before is the train across the bridge. Right. He's standing at the window, and they're you know lying. The, the two women are lying in bed. But that's it. And of course, I mean trains go by all the time. Right. Heck, maybe the same train, same time every night. Right? Who knows? Right. So I remember I was watching it, taking my notes. I saw the train go by, and I wrote like something along the lines of, "Oh, like train goes by," you know, evoking the previous, you know, previous one. And then we heard them through the wall, and it was scratched out, evoking, right. literally same night. Right. You know, <laughs> oh. Because it gives you that sort of nudge to go, oh, that's similar. And then right. it pushes the nail in with, bink! Oh. Yeah. Yeah, and then mm. if you missed it, we're going to turn the radio on. It's going to be the exact right. same yeah. song. Like, same oh, okay. And every time yeah. the radio comes on, we hear less. Yeah. Because the first time, the first song ends, the DJ comes on right. and says, that was Roy Orbison. Uh, I'm Domino, you're here with me. It is 2, uh, what was it, 2.17 a.m. or something yeah. like that in Memphis. We're going till dawn. Here's another song, and it's Blue Moon. Blue Moon comes on. They switch on with the next guy, and it's uh, the song is like we get the last two notes. Domino here, right? Yeah. And then the third time he comes on, and he's Domino. We're going till dawn, yeah. and this is Blue Moon. Done, and there's the song, right. because you know Jim Jarmusch knows we're not that stupid, <laughs> but um, he didn't need to hit us over the head with it. Right. What else has Jarmusch done? I uh, coffee and cigarettes is sort of the, oh, okay. the largest in size project. Because I don't, I don't, um, I've I not seen I've anything heard else. He, I've heard of Cambridge. You and I, but... Joel, are a bit too young. He's, his name sort of fell out of, out of circulation. I think before we. Okay. Uh, I mean, it might be a little bit before Tim's time too. I feel like I don't know when necessarily I, when I was at Blockbuster. That <laughs> Yay! was sort of the first one I of think, the new year. I think that I think that movie. I I remember like the the friends of mine who, you know, and were kind of the more like. Um, indie hipstery okay. people at the at the time that I that I hung out with which so it was kind of like yeah it was this old older movie probably not you know very underground you know mm-hmm. that sort of like you know it's not cool unless no one's heard of it right. you know and, and it was kind of like okay what is this and it's like I, I I feel like I may have watched it but I don't remember it like is it the one where people are just talking in a diner yeah yeah it's just like right, so that the reason and... coffee and cigarettes comes up as confusing is because it gets called an anthology and a film but what we have here is coffee and cigarettes 1986 short coffee and cigarettes 2 1989 short coffee and cigarettes 3 1993 short so i think at some point those were collected maybe oh and just put into one yeah coffee and cigarettes thing. 2003 so i that's a bit of a confusion there but um more more famous stranger than paradise no, I feel like I've seen it's, a okay. cover for that. Um, that I've seen or read. No, no, that was in 1984. <laughs> I know, I'm giving you um, <laughs> Also, Broken Flowers, Bill Murray. 
Nope. That one is one of those ones that's in the stacks of DVDs that we have in the home in California. Because um, every so often my dad would just get showered in extra DVDs or award screeners or what have you. So I, I recognize the cover very well. Bill Murray there. Um, let's see. The Limits of Control. Only Lovers Left Alive. Wait, he did that? Did he write that? Direct it. Is that I don't, I don't know about the right. most recent 2013. one? Um, yep. Uh, okay, so I writer, have seen one. Yes, written by Jim Jarmusch. That's an incredible film. Well, there you go. And it's so okay. That's similar <laughs> to this. It. That's yeah, I wouldn't have connected those, but yeah. Patterson. Oh, I heard about Patterson and Ghost Dog: The Way of the Samurai. Oh God. Okay. You know, it's him. Knows I, what I, that is. I vaguely no remember. Uh, an African American mafia hitman who models himself after the samurai of old. Finds himself targeted for death by the mob. So this is a black exploitation. Is that film? the one with RZA? I, I maybe. I maybe. No, no, no. It, that's it men with be, the golden fist. That's right. Okay. It may be a um, which I'm gonna call it a eulogy to the black exploitation film. I haven't. Okay. I, huh. Here's our, our image, mean, courtesy I'm, of IMDb, is uh, Forrest Whitaker here and his. That's who. Okay. Samurai. Sword. Oh my! I will watch that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, so. The the feeling I've been given is that Mystery Train is a very uh, exemplary film yeah. for him. And I think I, he, does, I guess... he does really well with smaller scale things. Mm-hmm. I think that that's, yeah, because yeah. Only Livers Left Alive is that um, Adam and Eve were vampires and they're still around. <laughs> so that it's current day. Um, oh, oh my God. I have seen that. Hiddleston plays Adam, and he's kind of in this like the abandoned part of Detroit, and he's a musician, and he like hung out with Byron and like all of the the romantic writers, mm-hmm. and he's starting to be depressed and like, why am I still living? He has yes. a guy make him a wooden bullet because he I wants a way that out on an airplane with no sound. Oh, <laughs> that's unfortunate. It's great. The, the first like, the reason sound. I remember Hiddleston's voice is what kicked gotcha. through, but I, but not much sound. That's a long the reason I've seen that movie is because Tyna had watched it. My partner Tyna had watched it, and the first seven minutes of it is just old guitar porn. Just like he, this guy brings him these classic guitars. There's an original Chet Atkins. There's a, 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 a oh, what is it? A silver tone where the amp is in the case, like it came as one thing. Mm. And it, there's a really cool Hagstrom in it. it it's oh, it's so I good. Wanna... I want to be clear. I'm saying this in a not serious way, Joel, so you don't throttle me. But uh-huh. amp in the case. So the busker's guitar then. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, it was. The busker's it was, special. Well, that was the thing. Like <laughs> yeah. people would buy before they knew about it. You would buy an electric guitar, and like it doesn't doesn't work. It doesn't yeah. work. No, you have to buy the amplifier. So like they, mm-hmm. the, the what they did was Silvertone sold them together, and Silvertone was kind of like the the um, you get it in. Um, uh, like the J.C. Penney's and the Sears, that that was oh, the, okay. the catalog. But they they actually made them really. They were really quality. They were kind of indestructible. So really unique. Kind of the first electric guitars with included amps, and it was it was really cool. The old the SKS of the guitar world. It's like yeah, this, you have one. Where did it come from? Anywhere on earth. Right. Does it work? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Is it pristine or not? <laughs> nah, that. There we go. That's, that's different. <laughs> right. I actually I, I got to see a couple. They had them in Guitar Center. And they, they weren't all that expensive. They were kind of under $1,000, and I was very, very tempted. They're, they're really cool. I don't know if they just play like a tree branch or what, like, but they they look cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But it, 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 
it talks about um, one of them has kind of devoted their whole life to Eve has devoted her whole life to like reading and loves books and she actually uh, Christopher Marlowe is a character in it and he's a vampire and he he gave Shakespeare all the credit for his stuff so he wrote all of Shakespeare's play and they're mm-hmm. friends and they live in the Middle East and uh, he's in or Adam's in Detroit and they kind of have this love story across the globe but it, it's kind of really small and segmented mm-hmm. and like it, intimate like this is yeah yeah. he's, he's good at writing it's, relationships I think that that's yes. that's a good I'm so glad you said that no it I'm is I really this is one of my favorite film relationships even the though first two uh, this first vignette I'm sorry yeah. here yeah the Far From Yokohama is yeah. the name of our first one I just it it is and it's 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 sort you know it's only one third of our not even two hour movie, but it's everything about it is so communicated so well. Mm-hmm. They're the way they talk, the way they banter, the way they kind of bigger but don't. Mm-hmm. You know they seem to understand each other really yes, well. Yes, and you can kind of you get the sense that watching it that he's kind of standoffish and they don't really gel, but it, they complement each other in yeah. that way. It's not that he's an asshole. It's like once she's done trying to cheer him up he smiles because he yeah. enjoys that she tries so, so hard so and happy, it's yeah. like mm-hmm. and you just you instantly know and then you instantly also know that it's a yeah they know each other well just that it's that kind of familiarity yeah. that you have to develop he's only 18 which yeah. is an interesting at one point they mentioned the, the, I guess they're both kind of, supposed to be right the na- naivete of that early relationship but it, I don't know they seem like old souls, like they know each other. Into, they seem like an old kind of fuddy-duddy couple. Like yeah. they have these different And that's why it's so appealing and... to me. Because the things that are most appealing to me about an intimate partner relationship is that it's the casualness. Right. And it's not the casual for the sake of being casual. It's the casual because we're so entrenched that it's entrenched. not a big deal anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know? Makes it sound like a war, right? oh, yeah. but you know it's, <laughs> no. uh, it's not casual because we're awkward, don't know each other. It's it's casual because we've done this a million times. It's casual, or rather, I shouldn't say casual, but it's it's not a big production. Mm-hmm. The thing we're doing, whatever it may be, whether it's, it's sex or conversation or whatever, right? right. It's comfortable because it's secure mm-hmm. and steady, and that sort of security, the implication that you'd know someone so well that there is that sturdiness there, mm-hmm. that has always been appealing to me. And so we get that. We get that in spades in this film between the two of them. And, okay, yeah, they're 18, so who knows. Well, no, Long I mean, life. I, I don't mean to diminish it that <laughs> no, way. Like, no, But, like... But, dude, yeah, it's just... Yeah. That's why I've always... That's really appealed to me. And most films don't... You know, they just don't have the chance. If you're going to... De- depict a relationship it's the beginning of one or the end of one right. you know it's not this solid and that's what ground. the story, story is centered around right so this does it really quickly it's it, not a it's, fault of other films no. just the way things are yeah. I've loved it yeah even the even when they have sex is so just again so not a big deal he's looking out the window and she takes not off during her sex, shirt no, <laughs> she takes off her shirt and throws it at him yeah, it's playful. And then, you know, pulls off yeah. the rest of her clothes under the covers and says, nothing on. Mm-hmm. And, oh, okay. And then we cut, and they're having sex. Done. Yeah. And that's it. Like, it's all... Which, again, was refreshing in that, oh, here's a film that didn't make this a whole fucking thing. Right. <laughs> like, thank God. <laughs> but, again, that... You didn't that, have close-ups on the guy's ass. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, again, that, that just... That every, every inch of what we see of their relationship, whether it's deciding what music to listen to next, or her scrapbooking while he takes photos or whatever all of it is comfortable 
I think I wonder if, if a lot of what attributed to that was the fact that they both seemed very comfortable in themselves. Like, mm. you know, like like they were so contrasting, but they were so like. I feel like it, it more so that like if if you could see where like the guy was one thing and the girl was like trying to be the same thing or kind of you know but she was definitely like her own person because it was so yeah. drastically different from who he was right. and he was so into this like every every movement his you know lack of facial expressions you know and there was no the pressure from and either the, of them for the other person to not be that way right, right. You, know? you know no matter what she does or says that's outlandish or loud or expressive and he doesn't react there's never any He's not shaming her, or right. yeah. her about there's never it. It's any just that's like how she acts and yeah. this is how like, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. vice versa. There's never any like why didn't you react? Like right. from her. There's she knows that the flat facial expression is he likes it inside, you know, yeah. That's what she said. Him and him and that yeah, yeah. Him and that lighter <laughs> man. Yeah. Ugh. That that was pretty classic. He's just Zippo and he's just so good with it. That dude's stage direction was too cool for school. Like he's just <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he throws it up in the air and catches it in his it pocket is, is yeah. about the coolest thing ever. It's <laughs> the type of thing that a, if they had been in a different spot on the on the street at that point, I would have just assumed they put someone with a ladder up there to catch one lighter and drop <laughs> and the other. Drop it yeah. But like, nope, he, he does it. You see it through the arc. The arc. There's right. no cut. There's no cut. It's, yep. <laughs> oh, man. And then she freaking lights the thing with her toes. Oh, like, she works the whole She's just as bad as... Well, that was the funny part, too, because, like, I can do the other, like, with the snap and the snap, but I can't do that with my feet, like, so somehow that was more impressive than what he was doing, like, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, cool, yeah, you know, this this trick, but, like, for it was like, fuck, man, like, that takes skill. That's, like, that's some <laughs> head of dexterity. Because yeah. we've seen him be crazy with this lighter all film, right. and then, and, it's, She's like, Let and me then light she it. does it. Well, it's yeah. interesting, because it kind of plays on, like what are you going to do with this lighter that we haven't seen? Because she's like, oh, let me light it for you. Yeah. She picks it up with her toes. Yeah. It's like, okay, she gets like, it. No, nope, she's just doing it. Yeah. With- yeah. <laughs> at first we think it's like, oh, it's sweet. Like she wants to light his cigarette for him. No, it's But like- it's sweet because she's doing a crazy crazy lighter thing, which is his thing. It's right. one of his his quirks that she's adopted. You know, But adapted to. But adapted, right, yeah. to it's, make it's, her own. Yeah. Like, again, it's another sign of the relationship right, right there. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. That 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 vignette is my favorite too. I'm, I'm yeah. It, it's just Absolutely. that could have been the whole movie. Like yeah. I would have yeah. been so mm-hmm. satisfied with that. Is just because they're they're you you like them instantly. Like yeah. it, it it's I don't know that it, it. And when they're talking about this, looks like I like this better than Yokohama Station. I like Yokohama Station. It's modern. No, I like Memphis Station. It's antique. <laughs> and then later, like, this looks like Yokohama, but with fewer buildings. No, it doesn't. And later, she teases him about it. Right. Does it look like Yokohama with fewer buildings? He says, not at all. <laughs> but you can tell it's, sometimes it's Lem being contrary, like, for fun. Right. Like, the way you stick your finger in someone's side and make them giggle. <laughs> but in that moment, it's clearly that like he's been thinking about it. He's changed his mind. Mm-hmm. And so she doesn't needle him about it, like happened earlier in their conversations. I like that line he says about it. Like, it feels cool to be 18. And it feels cool to be in Memphis, this far away from home. Mm-hmm. It, that that is is a really kind of intangible feeling that mm. I had when I studied abroad. That when when you feel like you're on your own out somewhere, like new, it, it that that really encapsulated it really well. It just 
feels cool. And I'm mm-hmm. kind of frustrated that something that simplistically said, I've been kind of thinking about <laughs> and hadn't really formed yeah. into that perfect you way don't of saying it. You need the complexity, it. you know? No, it's... It's just hard to do so. <laughs> it just captured a real, really visceral feeling that I remember feeling. And it, mm. it, it was so... I mean, that's the contemplative tone of it, too, is looking out the window and in a place you've never been before, farther from any oh, place you've ever been before. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's a great moment. And the first one is... Again, that could have been the whole film because there's sweetness and funniness and seriousness and a little bit of, not quite melancholy, but contemplation in a way. Mm. And it's everything, a full range of, yeah. of you know human experience. And then the second one is, it's a little similar, but it's focused down. It's sharpened down into grief and foreignness out of placeness mm-hmm. but then also a little bit of the ridiculous comedy with Dee, Dee at the end right. and then the third one is just the farce yeah <laughs> because things just get worse the whole time <laughs> it just falls apart drunken gun-toting farce <laughs> oh my god I thought we, we, so at, at the beginning the Japanese couple walks past the bar where Johnny yep. turns out to Shades. be walks past uh, the barber shop where Charlie is with his fishing pole right um, and then of course walks past the diner that the Italian woman is in, and of course ends up. They walk in past Willie working on his truck too. Willie working. Uh, no, she walk. The Italian woman walks past Willie. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. That's but, right. But they walk past basically everything in the film. And when they walk past the bar, there's that beautiful car out front. I misremembered. I thought Johnny put some bullets through the windshield. So when they came out and he walks towards the car, I was like waiting for it, and then it didn't happen. And I realized for a film I've seen about a thousand times, I. Really, you imagine that. that. <laughs> um, Plot twist. Yeah. It's a deleted scene. That's the <laughs> Lahane crossover. <laughs> but um, but no, it, yeah, it, it's funny that they're each their own sort of. There's the, the complete picture of far from Yokohama, the the narrowed down, almost strange journey of a ghost, which is the second vignette. Can we, we, we go? Sorry. Yeah, and uh, then of course the just absurdity of lost in space, the third right. vignette. You know, yeah. <laughs> the titles just sort of cover everything. Right. So. Can we talk about Ghost Elvis for a second? Yeah, like yeah. what the fuck? That, <laughs> so the ghost bit is the whole second one is called a ghost, right. and it starts with a coffin with her dead right. husband, and then one of her scams is Noonan telling her about the ghost of Elvis. He picked up hitchhiking and getting his money, and so then while they're in the hotel, uh, Dee Dee is asleep. The Italian woman, whose name I wish I could remember, is awake. And she sees a ghost of Elvis, an apparition, at the foot of her bed. And she tries to wake Dee up, and she can't. She manages to wake her up just as the ghost fades. Uh-huh. So this is the one thing that was, like, out of place for me. First of all, it was a really bad Elvis. <laughs> like, that was bad makeup. That was a bad fake chin. It's that... got to be on purpose. I... Uh, partly because of how bad it is, but also partly because that's, that's <clears throat> sort of the point, that while Elvis... I you think know, it might have is, been a vision of how she might have seen Elvis. Because she while, seems to be the most disenchanted about Elvis. Yeah, but while Elvis has this sort of... Uh, Johnny is pretty disenchanted about Elvis. Well, while she's... Elvis has this, well, ghostly presence across the whole film. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Sun Records, or his music, or Johnny's nickname, or the portrait on the wall of the hotel rooms. He's, he's a peripherally. He's around, mm-hmm. 
but he's never in it. He can't be. Mm-hmm. And to put any, uh, to put an even vaguely convincing Elvis in the ghost position would have been no, like it would have ruined that, you know. Mm-hmm. But Elvis as a as a set dressing, not as a character. See, I don't even, I, I I'm, I'm fit. I don't see why it was in there. I'm not, I'm not sure what it was adding. Because it, it, sort of it, 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 that was the thing that like took me out of it, really kind of sure. jarringly. Because it was like we haven't seen any kind of mystical, like it, it felt no. like how you felt about the end of the witch to me. Yeah, that's right. Fair. That's entirely and fair. I, I think I, I think he's enough of a presence there, mm. and the the really haunting, scary thing was the guys who were gonna like abduct her and right. rape her. Like I I don't I it kind of seemed to trivialize it there at the end. I don't know like. Tim, what did you, did you sorry, think about please. that? Well, I, it almost made me like I was trying to think of a reason for it, and I was like, "Was it was it meant to v- validate the guy's story earlier? The guy who told her the story about picking up the a hitchhiker that was the ghost of Elvis?" And it's like that's stupid. It's like, wait, there is a ghost of Elvis. W- was he telling the truth? Like, you know, like that that was sort of the only connection I could uh-huh. make I like with that. why that was like <laughs> there. Like you know, like but he's a creep. I don't want to validate his story. Exactly. You know? like, like, yeah. Like it's kind of like. Like, is that what, yeah, like, is that what we were supposed to get from that? That maybe, you know, when he's like, can I have two more minutes of your time? Is it like, was he really going to be like, no, I really need you to believe me? And, and and they weren't planning on raping her. Is like, is that what you're trying to, like, yeah. you know, It's supposed like, to put that down in her head or, yeah. or to just be a summation of the impact of the periphery of Elvis on her. That despite the attempts she's made to remain distanced from Memphis, that the very nature of the place and of its... Elvish, Elvishishness has imprinted upon her anyway or I really like that and I, I'm again I've watched this about a billion times and I'm writing meaning into the film so mm-hmm. you know I'll take it for what it's worth but it story's called a ghost we see her husband's coffin guy talks about the ghost of Elvis and she goes and something starts to apparate I felt I felt like it was going to be her husband mm. and then it's not it's this confused Elvis, Elvis non Elvis. And yet, afterwards, in the morning, she takes off her ring anyway. The death is sort of this through line for her whole, whole thing. Maybe see the idea like carrying the torch for, like, the, the ghost of her marriage is the ring, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. she's, she's carrying that weight. And then seeing the silliness of a ghost Elvis right. is Confirming what. Why her. am I continuing to carry this? Lo- this yeah. whole. Maybe that's what it is. This whole mm-hmm. town. Is carrying yes. is silly Ooh. yes, and that like we talked about before about the the, the dead industry right. that that's gone. It's, it's the glory up on is that. gone, right. but Elvis's glory remains right. carried around. Like and maybe a source her, of pride. Her final rejection of that, the final kind of foreign thing, is like that's silly. I don't want to do that anymore. That it, it kind of works. I think it's giving them a little too much. Well, I don't know. It's tightly constructed. Uh, yeah, other no, than I'll that. admit you could say it's giving too much credit because you're right. The whole rest of the film is fairly self-evident in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's kind um, of. A... So saying that that's the one thing they left up to interpretation, maybe it was intentional and they wanted to do that. Maybe it wasn't. Um, because I like this film, I ascribe good things to it and no, I find ways to no, connect it's... it. And that's only because I like this film. If you. Didn't you're perfectly fine in saying that's yeah. cool. I'm not gonna be mad. <laughs> it didn't ruin it for me. It's just yeah. like at that moment it's like, well, here's a movie. Right now, like yeah. that was the movie-ish thing of the movie. Yeah. And that is the second vignette is the weakest for all those reasons, but also it's gotta be the second one. And not just because the third one 
has to be the gunshot, you know, with Lost in Space. And because the first one... Jarmusch's gun. <laughs> yeah, and because the first one has to be Far From Yokohama, which introduces us to the city, as it introduces the Japanese couple. But because the weakest also sort of has to be the middle. Because if it's the beginning, we don't bother to continue watching. We turn well, it off 20 minutes in and stop. And if it's the end, no. we feel disappointed. But when it's the middle, it just becomes the lull. Tim was talking, we were talking about this in terms of variations on themes or the idea of a second movement in a piece of music. Yeah. The idea that we divert from the theme enough to make you appreciate the resolution of a third movement. Yeah. The idea, we talked about that with Indiana Jones, the yeah. idea that... Temple of Doom. Yeah, Temple the of thing is always the contrasting right. thing. Or right. The, and it, it kind of makes it satisfying to return home. The yeah. idea of like the... I, I don't know if the second one is the... If, if, if we're talking about the, the ghost part of it, Ghost Elvis is the weakest part of the film. Sure. I don't know that the second is. I think they're all pretty strong. Oh, I, I, mean, I really like. Not it. to imply that any of them is bad. No, I mean, stretch. I, yeah. But like you said, the first is our favorite, and then the right. second is our least favorite. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. There's, there's, with I, the three, I, the framing of the three shots in the three people in one shot in the final vignette. There's a, a, a camera motion in the second one where she'll, she's walking past this kind of graded fence and the camera's following her to a mm -hmm. point and then she walks out of frame and stays there. And then it does it again on another sidewalk where and she's walking it, yeah, and, and it, it stays there. And it does that when she's at the gap in the wall. Uh -huh. And it does that like eight times to the Japanese couple. Does it really? Oh, yeah. I didn't notice that. All the way down Chaucer Street is, that, is the same But it's deal. going the opposite direction. Okay, yes, it's moving in the opposite direction, That's but it does stop and they move off frame. Gotcha. Um, and they walk past the same gap in the wall with the downtown lights sparkling behind gotcha. them. And that, so that one, it's moving the same way. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so, they have a little, little discussion about, do we go to Sun Studios or Graceland first? And they finally settle on Graceland. And then they wander around the city. And, they end and up... then they end up in front of Sun. And the, they just stop, they look over, I thought we were going to Graceland. So did I. <laughs> yeah, and then they go in. That was the greatest like summation of how disappointing landmarks could be. Because they go in, it's this tiny little studio yeah. where all this important music came out of. But and the the tour is this one room and they just slide one to the left. Woman. Or She's the right. rocking back and forth. And that woman's talking very quickly. Yeah. That woman's talking very quickly about all the wonderful, beautiful things happening here at Sun Studios. But it's very clearly something that she said about a million times. And so that, that, that emotion that was schooled into her voice was really more about the quotes, because the quotes came from her quoting from other people and putting some of a reflection to other people. But that reflection really wasn't what people put there for. And I quote, "I like that. I want more of that. That's what we got, and we got." It. Unquote. Oh my <laughs> I, god! That was me trying the to imitate her. I'm gonna be the one that clapped this yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. The, I didn't know how long the cadence was gonna run out. That's why I didn't <laughs> want to stop you. That no, was great. Thank you. <laughs> I, yeah, it's it's that's it. And the whole tour is uh, two minutes. I mean, it's very yeah. short. It's the tiny one room. They shift along right. the wall, and then they leave, and they just. You just you sort of something's been taken out of you right. for having gone there. Because well, that's the thing, like you kind of see uh, uh, Jun's uh, smile yeah. as they're like this when they're is in where the he, place. Yeah, yeah he really he's got this go. wonderful and it kind of face. dies on his face as she's going through the spiel, like such a soulless, passionless yeah. recitation. Of like all it would have been better for him to just stand in the just empty stand room, there. yeah, you know, and feel the energy of the place. And they come out, they decide to look for a hotel. I mentioned before podcast, I was reading up on this film a little. I read the Wikipedia. 
whoever bless you whoever wrote that plot summary because the plot summary mentions after an exhausting tour of Sun Studio which if you've never seen the film you assume is oh yeah exhausting tour they walked all over the place and it took out nope but I've watched the film and I know exhausting is the word it's, it's the only word for it not exhaustive that's, yes. that's a very important well said, distinction Joel. oh my gosh like I said it just captures that you go to a landmark and you're just like oh this is kind of disappointing because you build it up in your head I, I use the example of Stonehenge which might not be a great because it's a cool thing like the idea yeah. that this was we don't really know how it was put there we don't really understand it but they drive you out it's in the middle of fucking nowhere you're in this tours group with like 60 other people they're taking pictures of it from every angle you can't even go up and touch the things anymore yeah. it's just really fucking depressing and it, it, it's just you build the place up you're like oh Stonehenge this is where they sacrificed people to aliens for the first time like that <laughs> idea you built it up it's like yeah. this is this is where they came and generated life on our planet or like I don't know how they move these things across huge swaths it, yeah. it's just the other two that come to mind are that I have more personal experience with are Hollywood Boulevard Walk of Fame mm. and Times Square or the, the uh, Las Vegas sign too sure that's how I felt yeah too. and and it I I still appreciate those places. Mm -hmm. I think there's a great value there. But I also completely understand why people will be disappointed. Mm -hmm. Because they're expecting this big, beautiful place, and then they show up, and it's crammed with tourists, and you're getting stepped on, you can't lift your arms, and it's just a, you know, they didn't completely cover uh, the remnants of when Hollywood wasn't a great place to be. <laughs> you know, despite the shine and, and there's too many people and it's all... And Times Square is just wall-to-wall -wall people. Right. And it's full of lights and signs, but it's the kind of smell. also just another block in an already me right. otherwise magnificent city. Yeah. Like, I get why people get disappointed because, like you said, you've built it up and then it's just this thing. I, I personally, I still really like those places. I like to sort of look at them from a block over Partly so I'm not just crushed in all the damn people, <laughs> too many people, but also because there's a power and a, a character to these places that mean so much to so many people all across the world. Mm -hmm. And it taps into the old sort of, at one point, this place wasn't important. Or maybe it was, but it was only important as an intersection or as a movie theater. Right. And then that importance begat a different kind of importance which then begat a different kind of importance which has all snowballed and spiraled and built into this this global recognition even if the thing itself is now unimportant <laughs> you know the 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 power of the play i like that i enjoy that a lot i love sort of uh last time i was in new york with my mom we were walking we walked back down um, a, a, about two or three blocks east of Times Square and you could look over and see the lights and it was after dark and the people and the, the thickening of more and more people on the curb the as you went as opposed to the fairly empty street we had just come out of and that was great mm -hmm. I loved looking at that seeing it from that distance gotcha. you know it's this, 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 this place that just has held a spell over all sorts of people even if when I'm standing in Times Square I mostly just want to not be shouldering people in the ear anymore um tim you have any disappointing landmarks in your history um i was, I was thinking of it more from, salem, from the other oh yeah actually that's a good one have yeah. i mentioned that salem? before we've talked about it a little bit yeah I, but no I, talk about to say the two of them yeah and certainly not on podcast you're not missing yeah no, tell me. yeah uh, oh yeah no like um i mean when you're a kid 
and you're on a like a school trip and it's like oh we're going to salem massachusetts the the witch trials and you're like oh man like this like this is really cool and then you kind of get there and, and it's cool because you're not in school you know <laughs> and it's it's like a neat little <laughs> thing but then school trip right sorry yeah, yeah you know it's like you get to get out of school for the day and right. take a bus you're ride and, i would have know. had to fly across the country for that <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but then like I, I remember going there um i think it was it was either in no it was right after college i think yeah um i went there with uh my girlfriend at the time and then my friend his girlfriend at the time and it was just kind of like, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> it's like, you know, like, by that point, you're totally disillusioned about the witch trials. Like, it wasn't about magic. It was about a fucking bunch of innocent people dying because of a bunch of pieces of shit were like, oh, they're witches, kill them. Right. You know, and it's like, this isn't cool. And and even, like, the spectacle of it, like, lost its luster. And, yeah, so it's, it's just kind of this weird, like even though it's not physically broken down, like in your mind, it's like this broken down amusement park kind of mm-hmm. thing where it's just yeah. like, yeah, no, this, this, this isn't cool. We shouldn't have come here. But <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing I was thinking from the other point of view is like, you know, like, like this recording studio, it was just a recording studio. It was just the one that happened to be in the area and these people went to, that's like if, you know, you know, decades from now, you know, when our podcast is famous, people are going to come to this apartment. <laughs> this is where they recorded Movie Mumble. It's like, who gives a fuck? It's an apartment room. You know, like, there's nothing cool about this place. There was nothing magical about this place, mm. about this this room, this area. You know, it was like this cool stuff happened to take place in it. But mm. the room itself, you know, I mean, yeah, sure. You, you know, you can maybe, like, yeah, like you said, kind of feel the energy of the place. Like, and, oh, yeah, some people so do that, but some people don't. Right? Yeah. And that's fine. That's, you know, perfectly fine. Yes. Yeah. Why some people like places and some don't. I mean, whatever. Yeah. But, but that, yes, that there's, there's nothing this... inherent in the room. Exactly. It's just, it's, it was a exactly. room that happened to be a music studio. And because well Elvis record there and other people, like, yeah. oh, okay, now, you know. And like so the, for some like people... the fucking crosswalk that the Beatles walked across. It's a fucking crosswalk. Like, who gives right. a shit? But now everybody who's there is taking their fucking picture on that crosswalk. You know? That's what I mean about I like to see the place without necessarily, you know, like if I. To, to use Jun and the Sun Studio tour there, it would have been great to like step inside and look in the window mm-hmm. and just be like, man, so much happened here. It's cool to be in this place. Mm-hmm. But like, don't, you don't need to give me the tour to sell it to me, mm-hmm. you know? Or similarly, if I were to ever to recognize the crosswalk, which I, I guess there's probably a sign or something, right? Or just or the a, fact that there's so there, I would imagine. Right. You know? I, again, it would be more to be like, to, 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 for me, to look at this is you know that album cover this crosswalk chosen you know for whatever reason maybe they've said somewhere in the interview i I don't know if they have just uh they made it something more Mm. with their uh their album cover you know the music of the album of this this enigmatic and captivating band turned this crosswalk into an important piece of human history Mm -hmm. cultural history and that's what holds the fascination for me, mm. because yeah, it's crosswalk. Still, just a crosswalk, mm-hmm. right? Okay, oh, cross, great. Nothing about nothing in, like you said, Tim. Nothing yeah. inherent in the thing, right? That's that's a great phrase. I'm gonna keep using that. It's it's kind of like that. Uh, there's an episode of Parks and Rec where they go. I think it's Paris. I think that's yeah. I think it's Paris, and. You know, they're looking at all these great Paris landmarks, and mm-hmm. Leslie's all like, "Oh, look at this!" And Ben's like, "That's the bridge from Inception." <laughs> you know, like it's, it was just a fucking bridge, but it was made cool by that movie, and that's right. the thing because Ben's a nerd. Like, that's the thing he's excited about. Right. You know, not the Eiffel Tower. Doesn't give a shit about it. Right. That's the bridge from Inception. Plus, you know? I, being a huge Anglophile before I went to England, like 
I was just in heaven the whole time because so many things. That, like there's a there's a Monty Python sketch where a guy is talking about like he's he's doing research to see if sitting down a couple times a day in a comfortable chair can rest your legs. That's the sketch, and he's sitting on the bridge that goes across the uh, the Thames right mm-hmm. by Parliament. So I was on that bridge, like, oh shit, he was sitting right here. Like, yeah. then, then in Oxford, Christ Church is uh, this uh, college there, and that's where the staircase where Harry Potter comes up the stairs and meets Malfoy for the first time in the first movie. Oh, it's fucking there, and I got to see it without any tourists, and I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. like it still had like, yeah, nothing fucking happened. Like, there's no magic about it, but like mm-hmm. the fact that. I, th- I think it's like I traveled an ocean and then I'm here and yeah. it's like I, see I get that here. about like, <laughs> the the fame of a place itself yeah is uh-huh. an attraction for me right <laughs> um I, you, I mentioned I read an article recently about um sorry I contradicted my whole thing about no, like please. does it fucking matter <laughs> Stonehenge just Harry Potter so <laughs> but see that's the thing the one mattered to you but the other didn't no I but just that's, that's fine but um this thing I read up recently about, um, I think it's a bunch of the, the Miyazaki films. Okay. But maybe just, just others that lots of people are making pilgrimages to find the places in those films. Like, even your name, recent one. But the places in a lot of those films are nothing. Sometimes they're based on real places. A guy found a bus stop, took a picture, and said, we're going to animate this bus stop because mm-hmm. I like the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. But sometimes they're not at all. They're, here's a bus stop. And it looks like any other bus stop in a tiny Japanese town. That's just what they look like. Mm-hmm. And then add some trees. Great. Done. And But they go to find these places where pivotal scenes or important moments right. took place. And you get this... this the article had these great pictures of confused natives looking at this gaggle of Americans <laughs> fawning over this, this particular park bench. <laughs> and, you know... But, yeah, that these things can become something other than what they are. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's enough, and sometimes it isn't. Depending on your experience with the thing, <laughs> I think like it's something unique about. I mean, th- th- this film talks about the idea of like the mecca or the holy land, the the of rock place and roll, of right. rock and roll. Like this is the birth of rock and roll. This How is where far American Elvis, culture has reached, right? Yeah. So it, it talks about it, and they kind of heard like they've they've got TV at that point too. But and they constantly malign the fact that there's no TV in the every hotel. single one of the people right. in the hotel room. Not no TV. TV. That sucks. But the idea that like <laughs> the film is really good about that is like it makes places significant. It makes mm-hmm. locations significant in a way few other mediums do. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, <laughs> if I were to see Sun Studios, I'd be much more excited about that scene from Mystery Train right. than about that any of the music the that came out of there right. because yeah. that's my personal yeah. touchstone for the place. Right. You know. I'd want to. I'd want to go find Chaucer Street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's and it. There's a great. We sort of briefly mentioned this a couple times earlier. That that, that contrast between the music, and how far-reaching and impactful and meaningful it was to so many people, and then to the place Memphis, which was an industrial town, in, and in 1989, kind of now in a lot of places. The meaning has gone. But the meaning of the culture that came out of it and reached so far to Japan, you know, to right. Italy, to has has stuck. Mm-hmm. It's that it's sort of the op. It's like almost like a tarnished metal, you know, yeah. which is a good, I think, a good industrial metaphor too. Yeah, for that sure. the tarnish is there, but there's the shine, bones to it. You can see underneath, right? And see, still see it. It's enduring because of its nature. Yeah. 
Yeah, for some reason now I want to watch like Blue Hawaii or uh, <laughs> uh, Viva Las Vegas or do an yeah. Elvis film. That mm-hmm. would be fun. <laughs> He's not a great actor, but he is entertaining. <laughs> I talked a little about that this film connected with me on a personal level, but I didn't really elaborate. I wanted to talk about the film a bit before we got there, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't just be talking for 20 straight minutes. But um, it, Time. Part of, yeah. <laughs> Should have ruined the chronograph. <laughs> <laughs> part of what, what did it was the impact of music mm-hmm. and of different types of music on people and places and things. And even though I haven't... I don't generally just... I, Elvis is great. I don't sit down and listen to him. You should. I mean, I should. Yeah, but the <laughs> he stole music, but he still good. Right, but that the impact of the movement of the time is still undeniable. But also that I just loved the way it used music as the thing which had reached out across nations. Right. The music has always been very important in my life. I I mentioned it captured the essence of the place. Like I said, I like. I don't care. If this place is unimportant now. I care about. Like why I'm here, if that, if that makes the it. Aura of it, the place. And it captured that very much in the first vignette, um, and then just the whole place, and the sense of wandering around it wistfully. I guess it, the, that first couple trying to enjoy something that died before they were around mm. is something that I have very strongly felt in Reading, Pennsylvania, where my mom grew up. Every time I visit, Reading was a textile town. And it's full of railroad tracks and industry, and it is exceedingly poor now. I Lots of those visuals in Memphis, I mean, okay, they couldn't be Pennsylvania. There's right. enough aesthetic difference, but it feels. But they could have been, right. Yeah. There's a similar feeling. And so when I'm there and hearing stories about how it used to be when my mom was there, when it was really alive, getting that same sense that that Japanese couple conveyed to me in the film, that touched on a deep personal level. See, it's Very a deeply. through line between your choice of a Christmas story and this. They both kind of <laughs> center on that. Yeah. Less, this is more kind of past that golden age in quotation marks of the idea that mm-hmm. that's what that place was like when it was hopping. Mm-hmm. It gives me a connection up through to my family. Right. You know, kind I'm, of a borrowed nostalgia. Mm-hmm. My mom's mom passed when I was in, I was pretty little, but I remember her. Mm-hmm. My mom's dad passed when I was a baby. So that it, it provides me a glimpse into their experience it's, it's, it's a way to try to capture their essence mm-hmm. you know like grabbing smoke in my fingers I suppose like seeing a sparkly as ghost seeing a ghost <laughs> yeah that's fair no I'm not trying to diminish no not at all I know you're not but that's why I said that's why I said it was fair because <laughs> yeah you know it, it so that that sort of suckered me in right there with the first vignette um I'm glad. I'm glad the rest it holds up. Otherwise, <laughs> without that connection was that for you guys, <laughs> you hooked into the first time you watched it. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. But something that, if we look through my old notes from class, doesn't show up again in the second and third vignettes. Ah, uh, right. So it, there's there's it, less wonder about it. Right. Because for the the second vignette, it's it's a dangerous place. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a. I mean, she doesn't necessarily look at it with disdain, but you'd be free to. Even if the place was rich and glittering and in its heyday, I think she'd still look at it the same way. Well, because she doesn't want to be focused. there. She's focused inner, too. Like yeah, She's dealing with her grief. Mm-hmm. You know, they, I think they, they try to show that with her reading her book. Like She yeah. she doesn't mean to be there, doesn't want to be there. I've just got to get through this night kind mm-hmm. of thing. Whereas the get others, through you know, like, the whole experience of burying my husband. Yeah. Just got to get through it. And get through the whole experience of being in Memphis. Yeah. Just got to get through it. See, and there's the other scene where she's walking past and we don't see... Uh, Will Robinson 
working on the truck. But you hear him say something that almost sounds like a cat call. He's oh, like, yeah. come on, baby, like, just Don't, do yeah. it. I'll right? give you all the yeah. money you need, you just got to right. right. So yeah. it just, it, it was, it, 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 the tone is so sinister from the jump on that. It's like, it's all morbid, it's all scary. Memphis is this thing trying to get at her yeah. in a certain and sense. So then she walks by and it turns out he's talking to his truck. Right. And then he shuts the lid and looks up at her. And he still has the grumpy look on his face that he had been giving to the truck, right. you know. And he's just and like, "Fuck it," walks like. off. Yeah. I like that she. I mentioned, we mentioned. Oh, I like this woman. And that moment is the the reveal in a lot of ways. We finally get to see what, for all we know, is what she's really like because she spends the whole time being inward and prickly and avoiding, and she gets conned in the magazine store the guy talks her into giving her all these magazines and we're feeling bad for her and she gets conned by a dude with a comb yeah. and then gets attacked and, but then at the end you know she's talking to Dee Dee and, and she does talk a little she has a little nugget of wisdom right. nice phrase she has some she sort of contemplates where Dee Dee is in her life and where she is in hers and at the end Dee Dee is about to say so about the money how we were going to split the hotel but all it does is remind our Italian lady of oh right here you go. And she takes out more money than we've seen her spend the entire yeah. film. Mm -hmm. Much more than she's been kind of. And gives it to Didi. This woman who needs it. Mm. And she also then takes off the ring. And it's this reveal of... She is alive in there. That maybe the money she was giving up was unimportant to her. Right. Partly because of her grief. Because she's just, just get through it. Whatever's fastest. The money is irrelevant. But it also becomes kind of... much less onerous. You know? What were you going to say, Tim? I'm well, just that, like, I never get the sense that she was conned, per se. I mean, she was right, pressured right. in the way you do get pressured by any salesperson. But, like, you know, when, when he first mentioned... And I wonder... I, I, I can't remember exactly. I'd have to go back to rewatch it. But when the guy's first trying to sell her a second newspaper, and she's yeah. like, no, I'm not interested. And he says something like, oh, you know, how is a business supposed to flourish? I mean, and then she's like, okay, let's look at the magazines. Like, yeah. I feel like, you know, she had the money to burn. It was kind of like, sure, if, if spending $10... On this guy's magazine, gets whatever, me out of Memphis know. faster, and you know, yeah, it or even, won't, might might not help him, but it won't hurt him. Yeah, yeah. But then, like, and even with the other guy, where he's like, oh, he also s said I should ask for twenty dollars as a delivery fee, yeah. or ten would be okay. And she's like, here's ten for this and ten for the story. Like, she, she literally she says offers to him, him more ten than, for the story and ten to go away. <laughs> yeah. You know, like like it's you know she she didn't have to give him anything. She could have given him ten. Right. But she gives him more. So it wasn't like. I don't think she bought the story. It was more no. just like, okay, sure, like you're, you She's know, you're getting through. You, it. You know, you must but then we this. get to Dee Dee. She doesn't need to give Dee Dee any money. Dee Dee's not asking for money. Right. Not trying to con her or convince her. Dee Dee's about to make excuses or honestly right. say she doesn't have the money. And she said, no, 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 here, here, you, you need this. It seemed like I, I got the sense that that might have been like her husband's money. Like Maybe. he's dead. And now I have all this money. And she gives and he's gone, the last of it to Didi, and then takes off her ring. It's just like, I don't. I would rather sure. have him back. I like what yeah. money doesn't mean anything to me right now. It's just like that. I hope to never be in that mourning stage, but that would yeah. be a nice place to feel like just get it off of me. Yeah. I don't. It's such you a, can a sort use of, this better. The than sun has risen and it's coming in the windows, and also the light comes out from out of her finally. We finally see a little, you know, a yeah. little, little more truth of this woman. And that's, the, I, I feel like maybe that, that in the morning it's just like, what a hell of a day yesterday was. Yeah. If I could get through that, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. You know, in that, 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 yeah. That is a great 
a great phrase for travel, especially when right. when, I, it, when uh, it goes wrong, it tends to go real wrong. I've traveled a lot, in a lot in general. Oh, man of the world, and here. a lot for someone of my. I mean, not <laughs> Big admittedly, riches. most of those were from California to New Jersey to see family. Right. You know, for Thanksgiving. I'm just giving you shit. <laughs> no, and feel free. You're welcome to. But some of it has been international. It's been to a bunch of different states. It's been on God knows how many airlines. And it, when I realized that there are people my age who've never flown or flown a couple of times to see family for something it's it's kind of a lot my father has flown a lot a lot a lot as in last 2018 he did his one millionth mile with united and i think that's just since he took the current job and because i mean yeah it's right. but i was little that had all these stories I, some were adventures some were not you know but he had all kinds of experiences and stories from travel and some of this he told me it's good stories to tell in past time. Some because it's nice to tell your kids. Some because my parents both did an excellent job of, you know, making it clear that there are different people all over, whether it's across the street or across the world, and that it's all worth knowing. Mm -hmm. But when I was little, I always wanted to have these adventures, travel experiences. I wanted to have my own stories to tell. Mm -hmm. And I've learned a couple of very important things. Firstly, you don't need to go find them. The stories will happen to you. They will come to you. You travel enough, they'll happen. That's a very Wes Anderson thing. Both the good. It's the beginning of uh, um, Grand Budapest. <laughs> Both the good and the bad. They will happen if you, you're out there. And second, a lot of them are really not great while they're happening. You know, and Laugh you tell yourself it'll yeah. be a good story later because you're hoping there'll be a later to have a story. Right. Um, but exactly what you said about I've had a couple that were really not great and not like that i'm in any kind of danger great but that air travel can go as poorly as possible without physical danger mm -hmm. that kind of as poorly right. as possible and since then almost nothing else i i doesn't trouble me i'm you know sitting at the gate and i look up and my board now says flight canceled all right where's the desk <laughs> like i know I, because like what you said about her mentality of i've been through blank like whatever this is i'll be okay mm -hmm. and that's exactly the phrase is the I'll be okay in the end. I actually owe some of that to my, my parents as well. I, One of said disasters. I was a little kind of panicky, and I called my parents, and I said, here's what happened, and here's what I'm doing. And I, I, I knew what to do, you know, in trying, and I'd done it. And all it took was, um, I think it was my father on the line, and he said to me, okay, then you've done what you should. And this was, uh, I was in college at this point, so it was a lot of the whole living alone thing. He said to me, you know, you're smart and you've solved a lot of problems. You'll just apply yourself and you'll get through it. And I, I'm sure he believed me, you know, he's my father. But hearing that from him, from the traveler, right. was the, he said to me, just looked, like he just looked over like, oh yeah, you know, sun's coming up. Oh, oh hey, yeah, you'll figure it out. Like he knew. And, and that, all the panic was wiped away. Mm -hmm. And since then, that's been with me. Gotcha. That sense of that, whatever happens, we can, we can work it out. You know? Um, and it's, Sorry, that got really braggy. Um, but I, I like that you said that about her. That you're right. I see that. Because well, that's now. the thing. The movie is as much about traveling as it is about Memphis just kind of being this sitting there. Well, this this stop on a trip nobody planned, kind of. <laughs> For but her. That, well, that's the thing is that the the Japanese couple, this was the destination. Yeah. It's on the way. They, they're on a trip to go someplace else as sure. well. But the idea that their travel has gone pretty well. Yeah. They they found a place to stay. They got to see the things that they wanted to see. They're on track. Mm -hmm. And her, the the second vignette is everything that could have gone, my 
husband's dead. dead. I can't go can't get home. His, can't get his body home. Right, can't and I have to stay, stay in this with place. <laughs> and then everything creepy and awkward has happened to me. It since all I've been sort here. of coalesces into she finds a friendly, if talkative, woman. Yeah. If talkative, friendly, you if know. talkative. <laughs> and then meanwhile, Johnny is this sort of mix of both because he did have a life here and it was a good one, but That's then the not anymore weird. because the girl and the job are gone. But then he wouldn't have been here if not for the girl. Right. So well, it, he's from Britain, moved to Jersey, and then found a girl and they both Memphis. moved to yeah. Memphis. So it's kind of like he's... Or he's on he a journey to too. Memphis, like he doesn't you know, know where he's going know. next either. Right. But that for him it was... For jail, a while, presumably. Well, for a while it was home, <laughs> right. but it has become jail. Right. Yeah, we get a whole bunch of different ways people can experience places. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like this one. Yeah, I thought you would. I'm glad you did. Like I said, it. it was it's refreshing. Mm -hmm. I feel like we we kind of go. We've got really serious. And we've got Freddy Got Fingered. We got Bond, yeah. and then we've got Godzilla. Like, we haven't had a lot of Bronson like, and Mystery Train. Right. Like, it, yeah. it's just. We need more of the lighter side, yeah. I feel They're like. They're all serious thinking and heavy hitting. And, and, yeah. More campy and Bondy. I don't sure. know. I, I like the ones that we've watched. I'm, oh, uh, yeah. I haven't I've... disliked any of them, which is nice. Yeah. Certainly. So. Speaking of. Uh, well, I was going to say, speaking of serious films. Uh, Tim, what are you bringing for us next month? <laughs> so I finally decided on uh, I, I the know fountain. We, we talk through it properly later. I just, for the sake of the joke, mm -hmm. <laughs> ah, the fountain. <laughs> so yeah. So uh, yes. since we we first did the the pie podcast and I you know included all things Darren Aronofsky, I kind of had decided that I wanted to do sort of, um, you know, a, a trilogy of his his films, which I to me you know not not in a way in terms of like. This is these were his best works, but for me, sort of the ones that I really latched onto, you know, where Pi was that sort of first one that really rough, you know, first cut, like, you know, okay, I'm gonna come out and do this black and white, you know, independent film kind of thing, and then, you know, and, and not that his other film, I don't like his other films, but um, you know, there was definitely I thought I felt there was an arrival at the Fountain, and, um. You know, in a lot of ways, I think, you know, with, uh, you know, having this full cast of like, you know, famous actors and, you know, um, and, and, and maybe, you know, a lot of that's also kind of, uh, you know, not that, uh, you know, the, the, the actors in um, Requiem for a Dream weren't famous, you know, but, but for me, like, you know, there's definitely more of a connection to Hugh Jackman because he played Wolverine. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, you got Hugh Jackman in your film? Like, that's, all, you know, it's like, you know... You know, there have been other famous actors in his other films, but to me, that felt like, oh, like you're lucky, man. You, you're, you're there. You you've know, got, you've made yeah, it. Yeah, you've made it. You've arrived. <laughs> um, but just like how, I don't know, like the b b between the the story itself and the way the story is told, and the way it deals with certain things, and and what the I want to say what the actors kind of have to go through, but I mean, there's also that in Requiem for a Dream too. But um, I don't know, like that one just never connected on a personal level for me. Like I watched that a lot more back in the day when that was only his second film, and mm -hmm. it was like that and Pie. But then I feel like I kind of moved away from that because it's just like, okay, it's a really well-made film, really good story. I think yeah, that was based on a book written by someone else, but like 
a, an excellent film, but it's just like it's so hard to watch. It's so depressing. Like, mm-hmm. like okay, good, I can watch something else. You know, that's good that I more enjoy watching. And not that that Fountain is is light by any means. Yeah, that is definitely <laughs> going to be more on the heavy side. Yeah. Um, so this is a nice but, like palate cleanser. And this yeah. is our middle vignette. This is the, it's the yeah, one that exactly. stands out. <laughs> it's different in tone. <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, it's just it's it's so well put together and so and I think this one's based on a, a graphic novel, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't yeah, I don't think he wrote this one. Um, and then you know, and again, he had other films after this. I, I never saw The Wrestler. I, I think that might be the only one of his that I haven't seen. Is that the one with really, really Mickey Rourke? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen that. One. Yeah, mm. God, I, we need. I want to watch that <laughs> newfound wrestling love. <laughs> mm. um, and. No, Noah had its its strengths, but I feel like it also had its I don't want to say flaws, but like you know there were things about it that I was like oh yeah, and then there were things I was like what? Yeah. So like not you know I can't vouch for that enough to bring it here and right. say here watch this you guys will love it. It'd be like you might think this part's kind of weird you know. It's an interesting watch. Mm-hmm. Don't watch it with your grandmother. I yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the for mine. It was uh, for mine. It was wanted. Oh, oh God! God yeah. <laughs> you chose poorly. We realize that's a pun, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if, if I may, I, I'm sorry. I have two more points about Mystery Train. I forgot to mention. They're brief. I like that when they're loading Steve Buscemi into the back of the pickup truck the morning after, and he's been shot in the leg. There's a little blood around the bullet hole on his pants, and then his pants are basically clean, and then his sock is picked. Yep. That mm-hmm. was a beautiful touch, oh, yeah. Okay. Because the blood like went down his leg, yeah. and didn't, yeah. you know, they didn't just like hose him down from the knee down, like oh, it's a movie. Spray the, the opposite of the Tarantino effect, which Tarantino does with <laughs> which Tarantino everything. does with purpose, but I think right. which many films just do because oh, that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was just sort of a nice touch. Yeah. I liked that. And then second, um, on another personal note, Joel, you mentioned he has a button fly. Yeah, Johnny I, does. For all my life until very recently, the only jeans I've ever had had button flies, because only. One company made jeans in my size, and only with a button fly. I see. Um, and I, they're they're tricky, man. I, mean, I, I love them. I'm used to them. In a pinch, they're difficult. I have some now that pinch have zippers, and yeah. when I go like tug them open, I get confused and stopped, and, and not, I look down and go, "Why aren't the buttons?" Oh, it's a zipper. But I've had the opposite problem with uh, with girls. You know, if we're kissing and we start to sort of undress each other, mm-hmm. they'll reach down and reach my fly, and then I. I almost want to just like, I'm not going to ever do this. Get a bunch of, line up a bunch of women, right? And have them all do that and see what their reaction is. Will will they play it cool? You know, will they keep kissing me and just try to figure it out? Will they stop immediately and panic? You found the male equivalent of the bra unclad. Yes! That's what it fucking is. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's, that's brilliant. I don't know where you're going to find these very open-minded women. No, right. I mean, I'd I'd never, you know, we'll use a, we'll use a dummy or something. I just, I want to see, it's like, it's one of those things where like, I want to see how everybody reacts. <laughs> All I can see is Dwight and Michael show how to take off a bra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, because that, I, like her girlfriend, she played it super cool. And then eventually she had to stop and say, take your pants off. How does this work? <laughs> she had to get me to do it. <laughs> you put it like a test out there. Like you didn't even help her out. I, make them work I honestly it. wasn't thinking. work I honestly wasn't. really wanted. I wasn't thinking Jeez. about that while she was doing that. And I had other things on my mind, but... But I so um the company that made those stopped making them in my size, of course they did. But um I found some others. My my aunt actually, I, 
She thinks of me. She was at an outlet, discount outlet, and found some jeans and texted my mom, Is your son's size this? And my mom went, Yeah. And then she called me and said, Like, I remember you said jeans are really hard to find. I'm at mm-hmm. this place, three pairs, 40 bucks. Do you want to do this? Anyway, they have zippers. And I, when I got them, I texted my girlfriend and said, My new jeans have zippers. And she said, Yay! <laughs> so I'm sorry. I These just are problems that. Tim will never have when you being s- the perfect size for jeans. Yeah. When you said that in the Plus movie, my pants are usually it, just off. Yeah. <laughs> when you said don't that have the, to unbutton if yeah. you don't have them on. When you said that, it immediately made me think of all of that, you know, and I forgot to bring it up. Okay. So. Okay. Sorry about that. Back One last revisit to Mr. Train, <laughs> no. and back to the fountain. And butter. Yeah. Um, but so anyway, so yeah, it, for a while I was kind of deciding that you know. Between uh, Requiem and this. And yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I knew it was going to be... I think I even mentioned that, that it was sort of like, you know... Because I think when we were doing the Pi podcast, I had just seen Mother. It was right after. You were really excited for yeah. it, leading up to it. So it was kind of like, you know, I think that was more where the idea... Like, I didn't want to do Pi and then Mother, because I feel like that would be too abrupt. Uh-huh. But like, okay, this is a good midpoint. This is definitely my other favorite of his. Gotcha. Um, you know, Noah definitely has the thread of the sort of biblical thing leading into right. Mother, but... Um, but I don't think you need that necessarily. Um, also, like Black Swan was good, but it was also very ballet heavy, is what you were yeah, saying before. Yeah, and well, I keep forgetting that's an Aronofsky movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. And it, it, what's really weird too is it, it it reminded me like the score very much summed up how the movie was. Like like I actually bought the score and it's it's Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake like ninety percent of it. And then uh, I think I believe it's also Clint Mansell who I think has done his other music has just woven this other like disturbing dissonant music over and around Swan Lake so that as That's like cool. the things are happening like the music is morphing and warping and getting dark which is really cool but it's like oh, this is mostly just Swan Lake that I'm listening to right. like <laughs> like you know and and it was the perfect way to score that like I'm not criticizing the right. score but yeah. like as a as an experience it's like okay, this is, and don't get it's probably cooler than, you know, for me, you know, not if you love Swan Lake, like, that's fine, but, like, I would rather listen to this than listen to just, like, straight up Swan Lake. Right. But I feel like the movie was kind of like that, too, where it was, like, a lot of it was about ballet, and then every now and then you'd get these, like, oh, yeah, that's right, this is a Darren Aronofsky film when these weird, fucked up things happen. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that was probably also intentional because, you know, you're kind of lost in the reality of it and the, and the psychology of it. So then when something kind of weird and fucked up happens, it really, like, shocks you, you know? Like, um, I don't know if either of you have seen it. No. no. Okay, yeah, there's um, there's a scene with a hangnail. You can, you can leave it if you want since we're oh, doing geez. it next month. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, no, I'm not... No, yeah. this is Swan Lake. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm not going to do Black Swan. I haven't seen that either, so. Yeah. yeah, so, so yeah, there, anyway, there's a scene where you're just kind of, like, going, like, you're like... <sighs> like oh okay all right and you just kind of get back okay that was just the part of the madness okay sure you know and and part of it is like you are kind of questioning what's real and what isn't to some degree and what's in her head and what you know um but anyway it's like it's just very um it, it, it's very kind of off to the side you know i feel gotcha. like it was it, it's it's well done like i like it it's just uh it, again it's something i can't vouch for to be like i think you guys will really like this oh, yeah. you know um, I think you'll really feel something. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, you won't know but, what this yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> and because well, this is apparently the thing we're doing this podcast, Black Swan has Vincent Cassell, who was in Hain, La Hain. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> and we're also gonna uh, do was it Ocean's Thirteen that he's in? Twelve and thirteen. Twelve and thirteen. Yeah. He's right. bigger in twelve. He's yeah. taller, uh, but that right. character shows up in thirteen. Yeah, yeah. and Spoilers. then we can also watch uh, what's the one 
the one with uh, uh, was it Julie? No, not was it Julia Roberts? No, what's the one? Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of it. That so, should have been the name of the podcast. Yeah. What's the one? Anyway, Cl- Clive Owen. Yeah, and oh no, Jennifer Aniston. That's who's in it. Clive Owen and Jennifer Aniston mm. when they like scam him. I forget the name of the film. Yes, um, I can see his face. I can't yeah. Oh, I can. See, I've seen where he like movie. picks up Jennifer Aniston. They go to the hotel room, and then the guy comes in, and like you think he rapes her, but they're actually scamming, you know, him. And that's sort of like that's his oh, girlfriend, shit. and it was this whole thing. Yeah, I can't remember the name of that. <laughs> oh well. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, so you'll be bringing us. Yes, so I will be bringing the fountain. That's why I came to this long decision. And there there was another movie I was considering, too, that'll probably be my next pick, so I won't reveal it yet. But it was kind of like that between, okay, do I pick one that's just kind of random out in the middle of nowhere, or do I start to kind of, you know, close this Aronofsky loop by kind of having our middle chapter before we get eventually get to Mother at some point. It's interesting Um, that you said The Fountain is his second movie? No, Fountain is like his, might even be the... Is it fourth? When did the, the, I think the rest? No, wait. It might be the third. You're right. I think the wrestler came after it. Wrestler's way more recent. Oh, yeah. yeah, I remember that fountain. being advertised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the fountain was his third. Yeah, third. Okay. So, so in a sense, like you've got this this trilogy of Pi, Requiem for a Dream, and the Fountain. You know, so in that sense, it's kind of like you know, okay, I'm kind of not, and again, not as a criticism of Requiem for a Dream, no. but just like the whole like it's it's just. Bleak. It's it's ble- yeah bleak is a great word for it because it's it's yeah. it's also something because of the the dealing with the addiction you know it's in a sense you can detach yourself because it's like well okay I wouldn't be addicted to drugs right. hopefully so it's something I can kind of remove myself of but like you're still going through it with these people and you're kind of seeing this this journey they're going on and you're you're experiencing it um, and it's just yeah it's it's in a lot of ways way a way worse journey than what happens in Fountain um, because. You know the journey in the fountain is it's a very it's it's a part of life you know the journey that's that's happening there whereas like you know sort of like losing your life to drug addiction doesn't happen to everybody it's a very real thing right. but it's not as inevitable as you know what what's going on in the fountain gotcha. um, yeah. okay because I, I was gonna say it's sort of it's interesting because you've we've talked a lot you've talked a lot about Aronofsky films mm-hmm. in general and it's interesting to me that you you phrased the fountain as a a peak a a a coming together a reaching a reaching a moment sort of thing mm-hmm. yeah but that then there are so many other films after that all of which we've talked about and mm-hmm. i mean of course the, people don't have to stop making movies when they reach the end of their first right, show. Right. i mean no yeah but just that it's sort of it almost feels like and i guess the others obviously don't tie in as directly to the fountain necessarily as mm-hmm. as say you know pi or what have you but um it sort of feels almost almost as if I should go watch all his other movies and finish with The Fountain, in a way. Almost feels like... And not, not that you've like said that to me, but just that right, like, right. Yeah. in our discussions, almost feels right. Like That's the, the well, arrival think, point. You've also talked about the fact that Mother is kind of like really raw, refined Aronofsky. The idea that if, if we're talking about the trilogy of Pi, Fountain, and Mother, Mother is truly the 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 culmination right of the vision of the the idea of he's he's taking what he does best to its nth degree in this mm. final film i don't i don't yeah. it's not to put words in your mouth when i could put other things yeah no <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no yeah that's it. no that's a good way of looking at it you know it's it's uh, or way i was gonna say it like compare it to like beethoven symphonies you know like i wouldn't say 
stop at five because that's one of his that's a masterpiece. But I also wouldn't say like you know it's like he has five, but then he also has nine, which is another you know and 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 seven in some ways. So it's like you know I, I feel like you know that probably happens a lot with artists who have that longevity where you may you know maybe you have a strong start and you gotta kind of like oh let me try something new no that didn't quite work okay boom here's another peak okay well let me let me try something oh, that doesn't work okay now let me okay well, now you know and it's like you know the sort of peaks and valleys you know right. um so i don't a think moment, it's a moment not the I, moment yeah i think that might be okay a yeah that's for yeah. for mother no no for, 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 for fountain, for fountain. Ah, you know, okay. it's a moments rather that's than much better the, yeah. the seminal one it's sort of like i it's just that and again not that you would ever want to skip any if you were going to watch them all but that like like I, with, I don't think you're gonna miss anything. You've already no. seen yeah. It's not like they're right? it's no. one story no, or anything. Like, no. You know. No, 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 no. Like I sort of like if I'm thinking about Tarantino's movies, which I'm gonna use just because I'm familiar with those, right. and I need something familiar to talk about for mm-hmm. my analogy to work. <laughs> <Yeah>. But I, <laughs> like, you could just watch them all in order, and that'd be great. Or like, but that if if there was sort of one that was his best, if you will, everyone has a favorite, but like one that just stood head and shoulders above the rest. I still wouldn't tell you to watch them out of order because the films are all they feel separate from each other mm-hmm. that the impression I'm getting with the Aronofsky movies is that they won't be again not that like oh sudden Easter egg like no mm-hmm. not like a direct right. plot link but just no. that there's this this atmospheric put togetherness of them all and that that the impression I have was that you want to to sort of arrive at the fountain rather than pass through it um I'd, i think what you want you wanting to go through the the story of the director the development of the director through the films and i think that's a good impulse i don't think that's i mean I, I sort think, of well, but no, again not to say that it yeah. makes the fountain his best right. but just that it is sort of the one you should end on i suppose i think mother is the one that you should end on and I, I, well I also the, his only one i've seen was by mm-hmm. right i think um Unless, unless much, I saw Noah, I unless, don't end on Noah. That's right. what I would say. Unless, much like Black Swan, there's one of them that I'm forgetting is one of his, and right. I have also seen. Then it's pie. so I, I have no actual, you know. Gotcha. You, please, yeah. please tell me I'm wrong. But I, I, am, but, I um, appreciate it's, because it's a new director. I'm really appreciating having a curated look at it because you know how I will devour everything, mm-hmm. and the reason why I haven't devoured everything of Aronofsky is I know you're bringing them to the table and I want to watch them for the first time well, with you and yeah and that's part of it It's I'm, I'm doing kind of the opposite of what you're, what you're doing is like we don't have time for me to bring every Aronofsky <laughs> film here so I'm picking the three that I think are the most like clinchers like yes like yeah. everything about that was amazing as opposed to like well if you really want to see after this first peak um, you know it's kind of like I was talking about this a lot recently with, with a few people um, you know the whole Avengers 1 and then Iron Man 3. <laughs> I feel like a big part of the reason so Peak many people Valley. hated mm. Iron Man 3, which I like I watched it like a while afterwards like kind of on its own and and it's great. Like I I mean it's not perfect, it's like, fine. but like, it's, it's but it's movie. good. Like yeah. I think it, it wrapped up if you look at like Iron Man as a trilogy, it's it a good wrapped up a lot of stuff, yeah. For sure. Um but it was the fact that it came after Avengers, this culmination of where all of these movies were headed, and then it's like, okay, this was a climax. Now we're gonna build Anything back up again for the second climax. Yeah. To that. Yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like that. You know, it's like I feel like any time, and 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 maybe it's something that all good creative people should do. When you when you reach a peak, you know, 
don't keep doing the same thing. Like, well, let me try something else. Okay, so yeah. this new thing you're trying isn't yes. going to be this as good as this yes. thing that you've arrived at. And that's actually, Mystery Train is sort of an arrival for Jim Darmouche mm-hmm. because that is where a lot of the criticisms, and there weren't many, this film was pretty well loved, um, came from, it's really well done, but it's so much like his last works that we've already seen. Mm-hmm. And I remember sort of thinking, well, like, yeah, but you can't, not can't, but typically most of the time can't have one without the other like he could have just taken another right angle turn mm-hmm. and we would have had something new but instead he chose to take what he had and refine it right and that's the only reason it's as good as it is you know it felt sort of weird when they complained about the the, the, the ones i read that felt strange to me like a sort of um like with oceans or anyone who makes a sequel right like oh man the sequel is really good I wish they'd just done an original property. It's like, well, okay, but that would have come with the risk that it wouldn't be less good. It might be fantastic. Probably would be. And people are good at what they do. But mm-hmm. like it to stay and refine and get better at one thing, or to branch off and do something new, like the complaints felt like people were sort of complaining about two things that were mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, but yeah, Mystery Train is one of those for Dem Darmouche. It's sort of everything clicks into place a little more firmly mm-hmm. you know a little more smoothly yeah. the, there aren't any rough edges you know so here, here's maybe another comparison i might be wrong because i don't know exactly the extent of your feelings on these films but oh. with christopher nolan right we had memento which was like his second film oh, but still i still haven't seen oh, yeah. i own it it's sitting over yeah. there it's on the yeah. list uh, we're watching it so itself. and that's why i haven't yet watched yeah. it yeah, so i true. want it to be first first time so to be on the podcast let, let a so, delayed pleasure in this yeah. group <laughs> <laughs> but so so anyway so like but at least you know maybe from what you know of it you can acknowledge that that was kind of this really cool breakout thing yeah. you know that okay yeah, i'm, I'm assuming that's good right. and then he did insomnia was, wasn't bad, but was his the, the Al Pacino remake? Yeah. Okay. Al Pacino and yeah. Robin Williams yeah. is a bad, bad man. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so um, I can't believe I forgot Robin Williams. Yeah. Never. Forget. But then, no. And then we get eventually to Dark Knight. Right. 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 So would and you say instead then, of him, and like, instead yeah. of branching off into some other thing, he did the Dark Knight after Batman Begins. Yeah. He did Batman Begins. Great. But instead of branching off, he did Dark Knight. Yeah. Okay. And it's like, ooh, like, holy shit, we hit this pinnacle of not only his films, but also comic book films in general. But then... So are you saying The Fountain is a sort of, kind of Dark Knight for Aronofsky? Yeah. So, like, so in other words, like, would you say that, like, Dunkirk, and maybe you would, I don't know. How would you compare Dunkirk to Dark Knight? And and maybe, and I haven't seen it. And to Inception. I mean... See, no, that, you're I right. I think that might be the, the progression, is Inception, Dark Knight, Dunkirk. I think that might be where you want to go with this. Yeah, like where you, you hit this peak of yeah. Dark Knight. And, and also, we, we notice how we haven't mentioned Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. We kind of forgot yeah. about that in this conversation. So, yeah. so you hit a peak at Dark Knight, but then he does some other stuff. But then, I, I, from what I heard, you really like Dunkirk. Ooh, you know? Yeah. But does that mean that necessarily Dark Knight was his best? And why bother watching anything after Dark Knight? Or does he kind of change direction and do something else? And you know, and yeah. I feel like um, you know, Inception kind of had its flaws, which I think a lot of that had to do with I think with Memento. I think his brother did most of the writing. Whereas I think I think so. I remember I think I think Jonathan Nolan is more of a screenwriter, and Christopher Nolan's a director, yeah, he, but they co-wrote wrote that I think. But then I think Christopher Nolan wrote Inception. And I think that's where a lot of people are saying why a lot of the dialogue was kind of clunky and explainy and stuff like that. Whereas if 
maybe he had collaborated with his brother, it would have smoothed things out. Gotcha. And, and, and not saying yeah. that is a criticism, the but if you're The only thing I've like, ever watched where people really love the exposition is Game of Thrones, and it's because they have people sex have sex, sex while it's happening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but, but anyway, like, and I'm not saying that as, as a criticism, but just in, no, in, no, no, in the yeah. overall realm of things, like... You know, Inception no, was, was cool, but you know, got it. This is a, the Christopher Nolan was perfect. Yeah, that was yeah. A great. Thank so, you. <laughs> so yeah, there's, there, you know, there, there are kind of peaks and valleys. Like he had a strong start, and and, and again, not to say that Requiem no, no. was a, a worse film, yeah. about, but it just much like it was the vignettes. Way things up. can be worse than other things while still being phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, and still having their place, and still, but for the sake of time. Mm-hmm, you right. know, okay. If I had to pick my this my favorite the Tim three, Gerard's yeah, this is the, from yeah, the if I had to put together tonight. a DVD mm-hmm. collection or Blu-ray collection, yes. you come not up from the, the basement with set. a tray with particular wines and cheeses, yeah. and you chose for our pleasure. <laughs> yeah, this is like this is wines and cheeses. Yeah. <laughs> that should be a podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, it is, it is you time. Want, you want me to get drunk on a podcast yes, and eat cheese absolutely. great pick your wines and cheeses the new NTG podcast coming basically as soon as we finish this <laughs> it's time for my favorite segment of the podcast yes, boys yes. and we're going to leave a big pause here it is it is time for another situational movie <laughs> recommendations so I have one this week I hope you like them. this month <laughs> this is the one you forgot earlier this is the one that I forgot last podcast okay. I was very disappointed I'm glad I'm glad you remembered it Okay, so in keep. I think I've been phrasing these incorrectly <laughs> in the past. This is your favorite segment. You don't like our movies. <laughs> we're both. Just so, <laughs> I just put right. up with this shit. We're so hurt. How could you? Indeed, <laughs> indeed. Aren't we, Tim? <laughs> hurt even. Um, so, okay, okay. Please, please. Let me don't. have this. It's I my one say, thing. I, no, I do really love this segment, and I especially love it as an end. A nice yeah, little no, change it's a, of it's subject. It's a nice little, yeah. little palate cleanser at the end. So, mm. um. In keeping with the situational recommendation part of it, I want to phrase this correctly. The idea that if you want to sit down to watch a specific movie's special features disc, what is the one that you choose? Wow. Oh, my God. I, you just It's going to be The Matrix for Tim, I can tell you, you right just, now. Here I, son of a bitch. <laughs> you know, here I was, like, standing on a racetrack, and then you said... Driver, start your engines. And I was like, what? That was, that was the shift that just happened here. Well, but no, I'm not in a car. It's such a, it's such a unique oh. one and something that I had thought about, and that's why I was so mad I couldn't think of it last time. Yeah. I, it's, 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 a, it's an interesting one. It, it's something kind of that, as I've gotten older, I've fallen out of doing, and I need You're to right. do more. I have to. Because that's the thing. You pay for the DVD, the, the Blu-ray, mm-hmm. the extra stuff, and then I never watch this right. extra stuff. One yeah. of the... The whole appeals of get the DVD instead of the video cassette was right. the DVD comes with extras. Right. Mm. They have menus for it. Mm. <laughs> and sometimes they're Easter eggs. <laughs> you have to work for them. Right. Yeah. So I should probably start since I have sat with this one the longest. Um, so I've, we usually do like three answers, so I'll probably do three answers. Um, so the first one, the one I remember most vividly You've is... We've all stolen something from each other, and that's what you all have taken from me. Yes, very, Multiple very answers. Sure. <laughs> I don't so, mind at all. So when the first Pirates of the Caribbean came out, we bought the... I think it's the first two-disc DVD pack we ever bought. And it was really cool because it was really interactive, and the different menus were through the, like, the different levels of the ship. So you could, I watched all of the uh, deleted scenes many times. That was one of the first like blooper reels I watched at Nauseam. And it had like featurettes about how they did the CGI, how they took a 
a theme park ride and turned it into a movie that was really entertaining and it was I really liked that movie and it was something I spent a lot of time Tim what is Roller that? Coaster the movie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, hey, if they can make a movie out of a board game, they can make a movie out of a <laughs> They did that tw- three times. <laughs> well, Battleship? And, oh, that's right. Clue, yeah. Ju- oh, shit. Jumanji, they've done yeah. a lot of times, because I was thinking Jumanji 1 and 2 and Zathura. Oh, that's right. Zathura was the one no one saw. Candyland, I, the I, movie. Like, I saw Zathura having not seen Jumanji. Really? I was, I think, just a little too young for Jumanji when it was in a theater. Oh. And then my parents didn't see it, because it was a family movie, and oh, it just I didn't see. show up in my household. Gotcha. We went to Zathura, and I liked it. So I... I I have to go back. I've only ever seen Jumanji chopped up on TV while I was also engaged with something it's else. Fucking dark. I've never like sat down and gone through it. So. I like it a lot. It's just dark. I wanted to yeah. see it. I just never ended up ended up seeing yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sequel was really good. So, Pirates of the Caribbean. I watched that second disc a lot. I mean, all of the featurettes, like talking about how to walk like a pirate that kind of stuff and it, it just was fun to kind of go it was like a game like going through the different levels of the ship and it seemed like there was hours and hours of stuff like it was the most in-depth one I had ever seen before mm-hmm. another one that I really liked was uh, Bruce Almighty the uh, deleted scenes and the, the blooper reel for oh, Bruce Steve Almighty oh it, <laughs> that is the greatest thing like his outtakes as being controlled by Jim. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Blue So Mighty? Oh, oh that's that's no. a good movie. I like it quite a bit. But like I, I watch that blooper reel a lot. It, it it's it's something that my sister and I actually quote back and forth to each other. We watched it so much that it's like we a scene the from the blooper movie. reel. We, quote, <laughs> we we actually did that a lot with the we Friends um, seasons on DVD we had gotten and mm-hmm. we could quote the <laughs> um, blooper reels back to each other. So, those are probably my two. My two-part answer has two films in one part and one film okay. in another part. All these parts. Um, the childhood part is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Okay. Because a, a it was cool and b I loved it. I was the perfect age right. for both the books and the films yeah. and etc. But especially the one disc it had like a game where you would walk through Hogwarts. And they just well, filmed it cool. on all their sets. That's So you really start cool. at the entrance hall, and your little icon, you can go up or down and click and go into the Great Hall, and then it would play a video of you walking into the Great Hall, and then there'd be stuff to do. And mostly it had, like, fun facts, you know. Yeah. But that just that was the closest I could come to visiting Hogwarts. Theme parks didn't exist. I actually was there um, per yeah. the earlier in the, the podcast. The theme, <laughs> the theme parks didn't exist. No video game existed slash and even to this day has really managed it i think maybe order of the phoenix video game is the closest we've come but eh. mm-hmm. <laughs> um so that i mean that was it i just did that a lot like constantly because i wanted to go see the place and right. wander around it um in general then for the rest of my life the two are the original star wars trilogy and the indiana jones trilogy oh okay and they both have on them a documentary the star wars one i think is called betting the farm <laughs> Um, oh, okay. I don't recall the Indiana one and they're just they're perfect they're the perfect length they're about all three films they interview all kinds of people all over um, and, and, and they're edited beautifully and they have behind the scenes they're exactly what a making of should be gotcha um, I, mean, that's, I mean I say they are I guess someone would disagree boom they're just utterly flawless and they're I mean obviously be interested to see the indie one obviously like anything they leave stuff in and leave stuff out right. or whatever but just those were I loved it. I thought this was what I wish every film had. I want to know how it got made, mm-hmm. but like this, not in a 
fully detailed way, right. but not in a dumb, stupid, short way, right. in this concise. Um, and they, they sort of led into each other because the, the um, I mean, the Indiana Jones one had, I mean, other than, you know, Harrison Ford, um, had a bit of Lucas in it, you know, but also specifically Harrison Ford because uh, someone is someone who was on both productions was saying that there was reluctance to cast Ford because he'd been in American Graffiti right. and Star Wars, right? You know, but they that, were looking at Tom Selleck, right? But that gets me talking about Star Wars. Then I go watch the Star Wars one, right? And then oh, when okay. we get to Empire or Jedi, it talks about stuff that happened in making Indiana Jones and lessons learned there. And so then I go back and watch the I other see. one. <laughs> so they're like composite. That's yeah. interesting. They're kind of composite. So they go back and forth. Yeah. Nice. So those are my two. Tim, do we even so, need to discuss? <laughs> well, okay. So I, I thought a little bit more about it beyond the, the obvious answer. So, of course, yes. The, the first obvious answer is the Matrix. I mean, I just wanted to gobble up everything I could, learn everything I could about, you know, the making and the, you know, the effects, you know, hearing the... The interviews with the Wachowskis, like getting whatever tidbits of information we could get from them and, you know, things they would kind of give up and admit to and, and you know, answer about speculation, you know, um, plus the, the isolated score where you can like listen to mm. just the music, you know, and with the composer's commentary, you know, amazing. Um, I think I watched the Reloaded bonus disc a lot. Too. Oh, yeah. Like, I mm-hmm. think that was wanting to know how those fights were choreographed and how the stunts on the fighting on top of a semi and all yeah. that stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah, so good. Um, but then aside from that, um, and you know these two kind of probably pair together is uh, the the Sam Raimi Spider Man and X Men. Oh, because yeah. those were sort of like the first two big comic book movies to kind of come yeah. out side by side, and to you know same sort of thing to have them on a, on a disc with all these special features and to get every little little tidbit and you know like like learning about how okay how do they make the these you know the the Spider-Man stuff work and seeing kind of like what was CGI you know what was blue screen or, or green screen you know and like how this stuff worked out and you know what what stuff was like you know okay he's he's you know walking on the ground on all fours versus actually being up on you know sideways with what wires and you know like what combination of all those different effects that they used to to kind of put all this together mm-hmm. you know and then you know similar thing with with the x-men you know like all the this the stuff like okay you know we we, we finally got this group of people together and you know there's the wolverine with his claws and this 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 and that and you know the um there was like an audition uh, with uh, um, Anna Paquin and, and Hugh Jackman kind of reading Rogue and Wolverine's parts. And I don't know if they had already picked um, Hugh Jackman, but it was like an audition for, for uh, Anna Paquin. But like hearing the two of them, it's that scene when, you know, she kind of sneaks into his truck and he realizes it down the road and like lets her actually get in the cab with him and they're they're talking as he's driving mm-hmm. and it's his kind of gruff like oh I want to be a loner but she's like hey I want some help and you know kind of seeing that in its rawest form before it gets to the film and um, the little uh, they did uh, what was it I think because I, I think X Men came out first right I, I want to so. say yeah I think so. so they had they had a, a blooper in the blooper reel there's a part where they're on Ellis Island. And they all come running up to something, and they're supposed to react like, "Oh!" And Spider-Man comes running out. He's like, "Oh, sorry, sorry, wrong movie." You know, it was like this, this, this amazing little Easter egg. You know, like, "Oh, look!" You know, and it, and it was a terrible Spider-Man costume, but like, you know, you didn't care. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it was just really cool to like to dig into all of this. Like, okay, we're finally getting good 
comic book movies that look realistic and you know like have all these people you know done done really well and I want to get every little tidbit that I can of how they put this together and how they made this happen and you know um, I remember one of the things they also talk about too where it's like um, the part where Ian McKellen's coming after Rogue and he like rips a subway car apart and he just comes like floating in mm. you know and, and Brian Singer's like can you do that line again but you know more conversational and it's like Sure. As I'm floating in on these wires, <laughs> ripping a sub, I'll be more conversational. Sure. You know, and it's I would just love like... to see that face on Ian McKellen. Like, really? Yeah. Shakespearean caliber but, yeah. actor. But, but because, I mean, I mean, well, yeah. Yeah. But like, I love that. That's, I mean, that's kind of why you need an actor of his caliber there. Yeah. Because he can do it. Because for Magneto, there's no, there's no wires. There's no awkward. Right. It's just, just you know, a show of power. Yeah. That's right. a routine for him. Mm-hmm. And so it's you don't part get a whole of lot of rage from him from right. that right. performance. Hello. Yeah. It's just like you know, I'm just huh? I'm just doing I'm just doing what right. I'm doing. You're coming with me. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about this. You know. Yeah. I don't need to intimidate you. I just fucking ripped a subway in half. Yeah. Buddy, or bus. Yeah. And your your protector here is half made of metal, so he's no yeah. threat to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You're literally made of metal. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Raimi Spider-Man, there's I've I've been through the Warner Brothers tour, the like the studio backlot tour and stuff, mm-hmm. which is a great tour. It's a bit expensive for a ticket. It's wonderful. Um, it's like real life special features. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so uh, Universal Studios has their um like studio tour thing. You get on the tram right. and going around. Over time, that has become less working sets in film history and more like we're gonna park your tram on this platform and a bunch of screens and rotate it as stuff happens mm-hmm. to you and whatever. But but I mean, you're already in the park in that case. You know, you don't pay extra for that. But if I paid that much for that, I'd been disappointed. But for the Warner tour, it was worth every penny. You go through the whole back lot. Which is the like the sets, the fake buildings and stuff, and the whole front lot, which is the actual studios, mm-hmm. the big, huge hangar-shaped buildings. You go on to sets. Like, we ended up on the set of the Ellen DeGeneres TV show. Oh, that's because, cool. Because they weren't filming that. You go through like the little theater they have. They have a whole museum that rotates exhibits. You go through the entire prop house. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, during the back lot bit, they will go to sections of the back lot, talk to you about them, about what they do, why they're made the way they are, and talk to you about famous recognizable bits from certain pieces of back lot, like when Adam West, Batman and Robin show up in the Batmobile and jump out and run up town hall steps. That's the Warner back lot. In fact, oh, they only so cool. ever filmed it once. <laughs> ever. Yep. And it's the same one in every shot. Well, it's the same stock footage as them pulling out of the Batcave. It's right. the same turn every time. B-roll. So you're sitting right there in your car looking at those steps like, yep, that's where Adam West Anyway, at one point, they're in this little alleyway which gets used a lot. And that one, they, they like to mention several scenes so that everybody of different age groups has something to latch on to. And one of them is... Is this the kiss? The upside down kiss. Oh, oh nice. that's awesome. And that one was like the one that clicked for me. The newer one was in that Frankie Valli movie. Um, was it just the Jersey Boys adaptation? Yeah. They crash a car through a window. Clint Eastwood. And, uh, yeah, it was like, uh, okay. And that one got like some of the kids who were young, the teenagers who were there. Right. And then they had said some other movie that I didn't had never even heard of, and that got like the elderly couple went, oh, and it was great having them watching them go through. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the upside down kiss was the one for for nice. me and for most of the people in my group. Right, right. We all went, oh. Some yeah. people went, ooh. Some people went, oh. Some people laughed. You yeah. know, um, there was one section of backlot though they didn't have anything newer than like General Hospital, uh, ER. Which one was George Clooney on? ER. Not that one. The older one. Okay, General, General Hospital. That was the newest thing they had for that segment of that oh, lock, wow. and I had to feel bad. Like, it's okay. It's okay, set. Someone will use you again. <laughs> or was it the one, uh, what is it, the one that Howie Mandel was on? Maybe. Saint, no. Is it St. Elsewhere? It takes no, place in Chicago. 
There was one that, like, when I was a kid. Or does it? I don't know. Because the other bit was they said something about, oh, and there were certain, like... Doogie Howser. No, like, I guess different. <laughs> I guess maybe the some sections of Batman Begins were filmed there, too, oh, okay. in Chicago. Yeah. But I think it was, like... I think it's General Hospital. They didn't have anything recognizable like, for me, okay. you know? <laughs> like the... Yeah. Back to Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Yeah, I think that's cool. probably the yeah. best on-screen kiss of all time. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, yeah. The, there's... What about in Alien 3? <laughs> what? Well, yeah, when, when the alien kisses Ripley. Let's... I, no, I, no. I, I'm sort of half-joking and half-serious. So anyway, please. Yes, yeah. upside down kiss. It is a beautiful moment. Yeah. As much as it's been ridiculed, it's fantastic. That's... Yeah. Teen Choice Awards Greatest Kiss. <laughs> That's what it is. Isn't that his caveat in Tropic Thunder, like the the trailers before, where it's Tobey Maguire and uh, oh, I fucking love that when they're like Donald, the monks. Yeah. yeah, and he's like <laughs> Kirk Lazarus is nominated for all these things, and then he's like Best Kiss from the Teen Choice Awards. <laughs> See, that's that's one of the things I also really I don't want to say regrets, not getting anything to do with it, but like to have seen the Tobey Maguire Spider Man with Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man, as oh. you know, to have the, the trilogy of Wonder Boys, Tropic Thunder, yes. and then this new like Marvel world. Yes, I would have loved that. Someday he's <laughs> got to come back. That's a the alien thing comes from a Simpsons bit where they montage you know famous film kisses. Oh, Spider Man's okay. in that, gotcha. and Spock and Uhura, and then Ripley. Just gets like gets licked for like right. ten seconds and then they go back to. <laughs> uh, but so yeah, and then the, the one of the more modern ones is the um, like the the newer uh, uh, Planet of the Apes films. Yeah, you know, with all like the between oh, the motion yeah. capture stuff Andy with Andy Serkis, Serkis and then Lord also, of the Rings. I guess is another one. Ooh, I would, yeah, I watched, I watched those, those a lot. Sorry, sure. um, but no, but um. um and one of the things that was really cool, and I don't know if it's the same guy, but I remember back, uh, actually, the uh, um, Tim Burton, Planet of the Apes. Uh-huh. There was um, a guy who, like, his job is a, he's a movement coach. Right. And he, like, studies the movements of apes, and he teaches right. them how to move like apes. I remember apes. that, too. And I think he's actually the same guy who taught... Um, um, What's his face to move like Nightcrawler? Like he created the movement oh, really? for Nightcrawler. Oh, really? Alan Cummings. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember seeing. I think in one of the X Men Two special features, it was that same guy, and it's like, you know, yeah, this is how he would move. Like when you can teleport, how you know you're facing one way, but you're doing this, and how, but but he also has this kind of animalistic way that he moves. So he kind of was the guy who coached him in 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 terms of like this is how Nightcrawler moves, and I feel like I've seen him in a few, and I so I can't remember if he pops up in the, the newer trilogy of Planet, but I, I feel like he did, because I remember being like, oh look, there he is, or almost, or maybe he actually played one, like actually did right. the motion capture, yeah. but um, but yeah, just to sort of see like how much acting goes into that, even though they get covered up by CGI, like how much of that is still them, right? Um, and remember they show, what's the, the in the second one, like the villain, the one, um, like not not Caesar, but the other guy who's kind of Caesar's general. Oh, kind Koba. Of, Koba, and seeing like the actor who's doing it, and he was actually that that actor was in an episode of Black Mirror. Was he really? Yeah, he's the uh, the one with like where your eyes record everything, and he. Oh yeah. Oh, and he's in it with the the new Doctor Who. Right, 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 Jody, right, right. Jody. Whitaker Foster. Don't know the actor's Crap. actress's Why name. I know probably it's Jody. Not, probably yeah. not Foster. It's not Foster. No, Whitaker, I guess. Whitaker yeah. actually sounds right. I just I have all we these Jody last names in my head. I'm not a Whovian, sorry. Through them. Yeah. 
But, but anyway, just like seeing like like seeing that actor like with you know with all the CGI stripped away, that actor and Indy Circus like acting with each other and and acting as apes and having like the hunched over and kind of mm-hmm. you know and they have the extensions on their arms so they can walk on their hands and you know and like the the way when he's like pointing to his face how it's not this very like you know distinct way that, you know it's very kind of like this this rough gesture and, th- and it's just like oh man like that's so amazing to see how much and you know and, and why i think cgi is moving in that more realistic way because they figured out a way to use the actors as much as possible not just you know oh yeah we'll just slap something in post-production right. you know it's like like yeah this this is his face you know i feel like i've watched a lot of the the special features of Planet of the Apes, but on YouTube, like not yeah. not going for the disc, but it's like I just want to watch Andy Circus do the the thing that he invented yeah. and is the best at. Yeah, and like just is flawless. Mm-hmm. You reminded me of uh, not the game developer Naughty Dog, mm-hmm. who's done Uncharted and The Last of Us, for example. They their actual like cutscenes where you're watching a video for the plot. They're doing mocap, mocap too, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and most of the time they find a mocap actor who's the shape they want. Mm-hmm. And that person does motion, and they find a voice actor, and they do it. Naughty Dog has the actor doing the voice and the mocap mm-hmm. at the same time gotcha. on a set they built on a mocap stage. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Which is why it all looks and feels so much more real. Yeah. Um, and I saw one for The Last of Us. Towards the end, the main character Joel uh, breaks <laughs> into the like the operating room and tries to you know leave with Ellie, and and uh, they did a few different versions of the ending where Joel gets confronted sometimes in the room, sometimes in the next room, sometimes wherever. And they were filming at one point, and they sort of, they knew they had the scenes they wanted already, and they brought the the, the antagonist aside, and they gave, told her, gave her an instruction. And they went, all right, roll. And so Joel breaks in, and he grabs, uh, he's got, you know, a gun out, and I think Ellie in the other hand, and, and the other lady comes in. She comes in, and she sings all of her lines about how you will not take that girl. And they only told her. They didn't tell anybody else who was in the scene <laughs> what was happening. Just her. And so all the other actors, the eyes flip all through each other's faces. And you get three full minutes of dead silence. No one says cut. No one breaks character. And then Joel, I am taking her. You cannot stop me. And he sings with her. And they start musical. Boom. It was, it was just, it was That's a beautiful funny. moment of, uh, you know, real, real, uh, real acting inspiration. Man. That's awesome. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it you reminded me of that they're what they're doing is much closer to filming the film yeah you know at, again it's all the actor just instead of the costume the costume is the mocap scene. right right mm-hmm. and instead of the set being made of wood and things it's painted black and covered in white balls and mm-hmm. you know mocap set yeah but otherwise same thing they're telling them you know when you, when you brandish your gun there you know do more of this you know mm-hmm. make it more aggressive do that yeah. like it, it's a much similar direction and mm-hmm. uh, that certainly I'm sure it comes a lot from what was developed for Lord of the Rings and right. Planet of the Apes. See, and that's and the thing. It's, it's like productions. the yeah. the lat, like the the greatest version of mime ever, right? Because you're playing against this green screen. There's no set. There's no. I mean, some they they've moved it to where they're playing in sets and stuff. Yeah. But like mm-hmm. the idea of like you're just reacting to another actor who you're. That's Smaug, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's Martin Freeman and uh, Benedict Cumberbatch playing these characters, and he's a giant fucking dragon. And for them to be able to capture it, it's so good. Mm-hmm. It's such a cool thing. It's, it's something I never would have imagined to be able to see a f- almost photorealistic Caesar in Planet of the Apes again. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I yeah. thought, just 
and th- that's the thing. Like they won, or they were at least nominated for. I don't know if they won for makeup for the first one. Yeah. And those, I mean, it's quite clearly a, a rubber mask, yeah. but that's what Planet of the Apes was. That's what they built it on. Yeah. And then, meanwhile, Tron was disqualified from the special effects. Not officially, but just sort of purposefully left out because using computers was cheating. Okay, <laughs> that's a I don't, that's sort of apocryphal. I don't know if that's like true or you know that sounds or a Hollywood though. rumor, but I like um, that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Tron. We talk, I haven't yeah. seen that in a long time. I still haven't seen the original. Oh. Again, it's another one of those films that I need to like go back and do, but I'll just I have to set aside time and get a copy and sit down. And it's worth a watch. I don't. I don't know if it's like. I mean, it's yeah, revolutionary. Yeah, like whether I'll keep it time, afterwards. Right? Who but knows? Yeah. But I yeah. own it. We should watch it at some point. Yeah. But yeah. 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 That was a really good one, John. I'm glad you guys liked it. Now yeah, that I have yeah. a list, these will be a lot less smoother, nebulous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that'll be great. Enjoy it. Thank you, thank you both so very much. This was a good episode. Yeah, yeah. pretty long. Hopefully, no, you're still good. with us this yeah. time. So, this is the length I like. Yeah, That's what feature length. Feature um, length. We had a great. <laughs> I, I'm glad you both liked this so much. No, it I felt, was good. Like I, I, said, I felt reasonably lot. certain you would, Joel. I'm, I'm glad you also did too. Yeah. Um, we talked a little more about the film itself this time than we sometimes do, yeah, which no on a personal kidding. level is really satisfying because <laughs> I love this movie. But um, I mentioned this is one of the films that I had in mind when we came to this topic of. I'm gonna make you watch it mm-hmm. and not have to explain it or justify it. Just, you know, start to finish. Sit right. down, stay. Because once you've watched That's it, brushing. I know you'll Sit like down. it, right? Yeah. I just can't get you to do it. So, so I'm glad it was worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah, no. Actually, Bronson, fuck off. Quicker, quicker, quicker. Sit down. Yeah, but um, yeah. Thank you, thank you both. This was absolutely wonderful. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the fountain. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it in a while too, so it'll be nice for me to revisit it mm-hmm. with you guys as opposed to like, oh yeah, I've watched it once a week and yeah. whatever, you know. Yeah. So that was great. We hope, our listeners, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, we really, I hope you go find Mystery Train and watch it because it's great. I, I actually still own that on DVD only because I couldn't find a Blu-ray. <laughs> so if one of you knows where one is, let me know. Stick a comment in there. Um, we also have in the works and uh, not at all setting the date here whether it may be before or after the fountain but we have a special guest coming special on special guest yeah special guest episode special guest episode I was wondering what you two were going to do there whether one of you would double up or you'd panic oh I, I take the cues on this so, shit this is 2019 ain't fucking know, around three words right what you do but yeah our last one was a very long time ago it was our site runner John Betancourt mm-hmm. he graced us with the delightful chopping mall oh god and chopping mall is really, amazing it was great I own um, that movie. We were now. certainly hoping to do more frequent guest appearances. Um, that didn't happen partly because of guest availability and partly because of our packed schedule for the <laughs> holiday films. <laughs> Sorry. Now we're you don't have to keep apologizing. Uh, no, I do. I really do. So we're back in 2019 and we have another one lined up right away. Um, I, he's also another uh, Nerds That Geek staffer, uh, Zeke Perez. Yes, sir. Perez. Nerds That Zeke. Yep. Perez Jr. <laughs> Nerds That Zeke on Twitter. The bastard, <laughs> so, the best Twitter handle ever. Um, yeah, he will be joining us. We don't know what he'll be bringing us yet. So look out for that in the near future. We're very excited, and, uh, and we're excited for The Fountain. Uh, yeah, I've known I, Zeke for 10 years, mm-hmm. and he's... He's yeah. amazing. He writes a lot of really great uh, sports coverage and comics coverage. And, and he's going to put me out of work he on comics. He kind of writes everything. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's good. So, the, so, yeah, go check out his what he's written. And uh, we hope 2019 has been great so far for us. Yeah. We hope you good year. have yeah. enjoyed it too and that it will continue to be wonderful. Thank you, listeners. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.
Hey, listeners, we appreciate you tuning in for our podcast. We're now available on iTunes if you'd like to check us out there. I'd be glad to have you subscribe. We'd also love to hear your feedback, whether it's a comment, review, or anything else. You can reach us all through our official Nerds That Geek emails, which you can find on the bio page at nerdsthatgeek.com. Or, if you can find us on social media, I'm on Instagram at Scott underscore W underscore Murray. And then on Instagram and Twitter, I'm at JoelT18. And on Instagram, I'm the Tim Gerard, And on Twitter, I'm at Tim Gerard. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you'll come back for more. Thank you.